on episode 38 of Pixel Guide In. We talk six good top-down racers. What would you do if you owned a barcade? Our take on the new Xbox and PlayStation. Tim talks about the Div MMC future updates. Eric tries his hand at some Ouya games. And Cody doesn't get a talk at all. Pixel Gaiden hits the links. News that we care about. And of course, a game show. On this special episode of Pixel Guide N. <laughs> yes. Eric gets a first hair or something. Right. <laughs> Cody confronts a thumb blister from playing too much Metroid. How's it going, guys? Eric and Cody here. Uh, happy 4th of July to you, Eric. That happened. Thank we, you. We are in the dog days of summer. The dog days of summer. We were talking just before the show, and Eric uh, pointed out that sitcoms in the 80s had special episodes whenever yeah. something big happened so yeah. i figured it was time for us to follow suit and the announcer always did that on a very special episode mm. of pixel guide in <laughs> eric loses his thumb drive <laughs> that's that happens all the time <laughs> that does happen all right guys well we got a good episode here as usual um coming up later eric's take he's going to be talking about ouya games Yes. I listened to your uh, your segment last month uh, with uh, Gakagami. Gakagami. How'd you like that? It was really cool. I mean, yeah. um, I, I'm considering doing it myself. We'll, we'll leave it at that for now, but cool. I'm excited to hear your take. Tea Time with Tim. Uh, he's going to give us a little update on the Div MMC Future, which is the uh, SD card solution for the ZX Spectrum computer. Yeah. That uh, is made by Future Was 8-Bit. I want to hear that. So if you don't have one, pick one up. And uh, if you do have one, which I have one, apparently there's a firmware, firmware upgrade, and uh, he's going to help us help guide us through that upgrade, as well as if you have brick gears for any reason, how to unbrick it. Oh, wow. Yeah. Nice. Okay. Uh, on six good games, we're going to talk about top-down racers, Eric and I. Yes. Which is a genre I love. Me Near too. and dear to my heart. Same here. Uh, and then, Eric, you don't know this, but uh, I actually have a very small game show for just you this episode, oh, which excellent. is coming up later. So It's the Make Me Stupid show. It's Make Eric Feel Stupid. <laughs> Woo! Uh, Eric? Yeah. We're like two minutes into the show. Do you know what that means? I do. What does that mean? QQ, quick questions. Quick questions. My first question is, where's my beer? No, wait. Oh, that, that oh. comes later. Dude, where's my later. beer? Yeah. Isn't that an awesome movie with Ashton Kutcher? Uh, it's a movie. <laughs> um, all right, so here's the first question. Yes, yes. You now own a barcade. This is not This is th- theoretical, or did I win something? No, it's okay. theoretical. <laughs> do you offer a cover charge and free play on all the machines, or do you use quarters for all the machines? So this is, this is the one I'm 50-50 on, because... I think everyone knows now the barcade uh, style of running a, a establishment makes all its money off of alcohol 
Right. You know, there's right. And the only one we have here in some town food. Is, yeah. Some food, but you make your money off the alcohol. Mm-hmm. Now the one in town does. You do have to pay coins. That's right. Yeah. Um. So part of me wants to say <clears throat> the coins aren't uh, like we're not going to make money off the games, but part of me also says part of the thing I love about going to those places is putting my coins coins on there, saying I've got next, yeah. going to the change machine, shoving them in. I almost enjoy throwing my money away that way rather than free play. Yeah. Uh, so actually, I think I would probably go with um, I would probably go with quarters and food. Yeah, quarters and, and, and a bar, of course. A bar, yeah. Yeah, I just assumed bar in there, but yeah, I like the, their model at CoinOps, which is our local one. Um, I, I think I would do that. I think I would do special party events or special nights where maybe it's free play. Yeah. But it is a hassle because it's not all automated where you flick a switch and they're all free play. You have yeah. to go to each one and press a button to make them all free play. So I could go either way, to be honest with you. Um, yeah. Now, if I'm literally just going there for the day as a consumer... Mm-hmm. Uh, if I can go in there and pay twenty bucks up front and play anything I want, like that's I'm all about. I'll make a longer drive to go do that. Yeah. Well, one benefit of quarters is that people will get off the machines too. Yeah. Because me and my buddy did get a bunch of quarters and play Street Fighter Two for about half an hour, but there wasn't really a lot of people in there. Um, but you know, free play. Somebody could just hog a machine, and then the bartender has to get involved or whatever. <laughs> so, but cool. So I think we're aligned on that one. My question for you, Eric, yes. and myself. Oh, okay. Because uh, that's how this works. Yep. A friend wants to get into the hobby. All right. Let's mm-hmm. pretend. Uh, uh, let, me, let me dig into it a little more here. This is a friend that might maybe has his favorite machine that he grew had growing up. Yes. Um, uh, he wants to find something that's old but new to him mm-hmm. or her. Yeah. Um, so basically what console or computer mm-hmm. uh what game playing device would you suggest to this person who already has what they know nostalgia wise and now they just want to kind of explore to another system so of course i would i would think that they would want to do whatever they had as a kid but they have that that's why i threw that out yep, of the way so let's get that out but i don't know what that is i mean that's the variable we don't know correct but, so for me i'm going to pick a console and a computer okay and it's going to be cheater I think it's going to be exactly <laughs> what I did. As, what I did. Ew, so this really? Is, this is what I did. I started with a, for the console, I started with a Sega Genesis mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. I didn't have one as a kid. And I really loved the ads, the attitude. I wanted to <laughs> The tude, the wanted, 90s tude. Yep, I wanted to explore it. Plus, if this, per, if this particular person wasn't a huge 8-bit fan, I think the Genesis games are a little more meaty. Do you know what I mean? Or, okay. or could could be a SNES or a Genesis, really, is what I'm talking about. I'm just picking Genesis. Oh, I, so, see, to me, they're so different. They are different. They are but so different. Yeah, they are different. The game library, specifically. Yeah. Um, so I think I'd personally pick the Genesis and tell them to start with that. Another thing is it's pretty easy to repair. Um, and then for the computer, of course, being the, uh-huh. Uh-huh. the evangelical Commodore 64 guy, that's what I would the go Commodore to. Commodore 64. Yeah, so I would probably do the Commodore 64. Because of the mainly with the 64, it's the community. Yeah. Huge community, huge places. Weekly things, new things to play, people constantly programming, yeah. new people getting involved, learning to code still, even though I haven't done that. Yeah, you can't help but be kind of excited about the 64 because there's so many people kind of involved in it. So anyway, that's I'm going to agree with you on the Commodore 64. Okay. Although if I only could pick one thing, mm-hmm. uh, I would say the Graphics. I oh, think, yeah. I think there is a, it is a... 
I mean, obviously, people who love retro mm-hmm. love the machine. Yeah. I just think outside of people who are really into retro, not enough people know about it, and it's almost every game. I mean, I don't care. You could just go through, scroll, hit anything you've never played before, and it's going to be, for the most part, good or fun to play, mm-hmm. at least in small bursts. Yeah. Um, whereas, you know, with a Nintendo the NES, I'll search through there and hit crap, 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 crap. This is kind of playable. Ooh, here's a good one. You know, mm-hmm. it took me 10 games to get there. Turbo graphics, they all feel like butter. Yeah, that's I true. Love them. No, you're right. That's, it's, a, it's that's unsung. a good pick. That's a good pick. Right on. Ah, well, I think it's the part where we uh, get our beers out. Yes, let's do that. Um, while you do that real quick, I am going to uh, announce errata from the last show. Um, real quick, I wanted to point out that I listened. We, we, we already mentioned the ZX Spectrum on the show. And I've officially yes. turned, I've officially, without knowing it, turned my opinion around on this. Okay. Um, you'll know in a second here. I listened to a, a show that actually I used to listen to, but they kind of haven't had an episode in like two years. Okay. Called the Retro Warriors. Yeah. And they just released an episode, so all of a sudden it popped up for the first time in, the, in years. And they, right off the top of the bat, they start talking about things, and they're, they're both Americans. Okay. Uh, Sorry about the ice noise. And you and your distant voice in the background. Nonetheless, they went ahead and nonchalantly, without thinking about it, talked about the ZX Spectrum, and I got like yeah. my like the air, hair stuck up on the back of my neck. Yeah, like it used to not, <laughs> but, but now it does. I right? used to be uh, I used to be like, no, it's it's Z over there, it's Z over here. It is what it is. It's a ZX Spectrum. Nope, I, can, I even it hurts me to say it now. It means it's, like it's almost like saying a. Uh, uh, even though you're not implying it, like having to say a racial slur, like <laughs> right. it, you're just like, oh, I can't do it. No, like it's wrong. Like if you're quoting I, a lyric of a song exactly, or something. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, Or instead of, you don't, someone said the whatever word and right, you right, say right. it, oh, no. It's it's the ZX Spectrum now. now. I, so, I, I've trained myself. I never say Z anymore. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Out of respect. Um, let's go ahead and crack open some beers. While we do that, Eric, maybe you can tell the viewers a little bit about how to get a hold of this show or find more information. That would be awesome. So, let's say you're a man on the street, or woman, man or woman on the street, and you're looking around for... Ooh. <laughs> and you're looking around for more for an awesome retro gaming slash beer podcast. You already found it, first of all, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> right. The chicken before the egg. We're a paradox. Um, you're going to go to pixelguiden.com. That's where you're going. And then you're going to go on Twitter, and you're going to follow at pixel underscore guiden, and you're going to follow at duh project, D-U-H project. You're going to follow Cody at, at oddball, which is O-D-D-B-A-1149. And you're going to follow Tim Drew at at sanction. Then you're going to go immediately. <laughs> immediately. To iTunes. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. Exactly. iTunes, and you are going to rate us. And then you're going to email us and tell us about the rating at <laughs> podcast at pixelguiden.com. Or uh, ask us any questions. Give us any feedback. We really want your feedback at uh, podcast at pixelguiden.com. That's right. We also really want your reviews on iTunes because they help get our show higher up on the show rankings, which yep. we want to get more people listening, more people involved. It's awesome. Word of mouth is great. Tell a friend. Last thing is we do have a Patreon. So if you want to support the show financially, you can send a few bucks that way. And uh, we like to make sure that everyone who does... Uh, uh, donate to the show at a $3 or higher level gets mentioned. So, 
We also want to thank all of our patrons who helped support the uh, show financially. Um, the patrons, we like to announce each episode by name, but we do it in our own fun and uh, fascinating pixel guide way by using our random adjective generator to go ahead and give a little personality to it. So this month, we are heading to the links. All right, uh, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Pixel Guide and Masters Classic 2020. Uh, we want to check in with our leading foursome. We have the brainy Tim Drew, uh, the abiding Jim Tessier, and the deep Henrik Lofel. Um, but up on the tee right now is the efficacious Gary Heather. Let's see how he does. Ooh, that one has hit long and far. That's why he's the champion. Uh, let's head back to hole 14, where we'll find the cool Dustin Newell, the fascinated Matthew Ackerman, the abrupt Daniel James, and up next is the zealous Matthew Ackerman. Uh, looks like he's got a short pitch here. Let's see how this turns out. Ooh, that's unfortunate. Looks like that one's rolling down the cart path. Well, they can't all be winners. Uh, all right, heading back to hole 13, you'll find the attractive Eric Sandgren, uh, the very public David Vincent, the overt 10-minute Amiga Retrocast, and uh, the childlike David Motowilak. Oh, I'm sorry, I've just been told it's pronounced Motowilak. My bad. Well, as he sinks that putt, I want to go ahead and do a quick replay back to hole 7 here, where there was an amazing play. Uh, this is the foursome, uh, consisting of the valuable Roy Fielding, the homely Mr. Toast, the distinct Team Grey all the way, and the tender Maciej Sosnowski who you will see uh, recently got confused during his round and actually played a quick game of croquet. Ooh, although that was an excellent play through the wickets, unfortunately that's going to cost him some strokes. Uh, last but not least, before we go to commercial, I want to bring your attention to this absolutely flabbergasting attempt at a shot by the literate Dan Heavy. That's right, he completely misses the ball and tries to play it off as if that was a practice swing. Alright, we'll be right back to you after this. Thank you. Thank you, one and all, to our uh, Patreon supporters. Yes, thank you very much. Um, cheers on Cheers, this? Eric. We now have our beers poured. Um, I want to go ahead. Go ahead and take your sip. Have you had this one before? Um, I, I don't know if you could hear me before we, we started. I opened my beer, and I made a noise. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't mean to make the noise, but it, I, it, a smell of watermelon wafted my way. Yeah, and it's not watermelon. So I I have had this just just one the other day. My neighbor gave it to me, and I went and bought some immediately because I love it. So it's the dog days of summer. So the beers I brought are all summer beers. But this one is a called a my my time my wheat time ale. wheat ale, and it has um, orange, lime, and pineapple in it. So, which I'm not a huge fruit beer fan i mean i I do i've found several that i really like but in general i don't go looking for them but i love this one i sat by uh, the pool drinking this and i was like this is amazing so when i smelled the watermelon i was worried okay um even though it did smell really refreshing Mm -hmm. like you said it's not watermelon it's orange pineapple and lime i will say that that is purely on the nose eric Mm -hmm. i'm not getting that in the drink which is a good thing to which me. Which is a good thing. It's not overwhelming. It's, it's not strong. It's just um, like this. It's the smell. It's the yeah. effervescence. I think it, it, uh, for me, this tastes like an excellent wheat beer that has a little bit of a fruit flavor to it. it it's a, yeah, I guess there is a tad. Um, I mean, wheat beers can be sugary as they are. Like, I don't care for Blue Moon. I don't either. I don't care for a lot of wheat beers. Um, beers like Hogarden that have like a banana, almost a banana flavor in, in it because of the yeast. It's not yeah. bananas, but it's the yeast. Yep. 
This is actually really good. <laughs> you, do, you, do you like it? This is really good. When I had that beer at the pool, I was just like, I got to get this for the podcast because this actually, I think you would oh like it. Oh my gosh. Very subtle. Very cold makes it, makes it taste it, really good cold. It has to be cold. And uh, Oh, I love it oh, already. Oh, by the way, I didn't say. So the it is a limited edition beer, limited release. It is by Kona Brewing Company, which, you know, they have Longboard and they have another one that, that's their golden ale. They're hit or miss for me. But I know when I went to Hawaii on Longboard's vacation... Longboard's good, though. I love Longboard. I, I love Longboard, too. When I went to vacation in Hawaii, it's like we... That's all we drank was the Kona beer, because we were right next door to the brew pub. And... Yeah. I think we mentioned this before on the show. I, I, I went to the, the brewery there. Yeah. And uh, the yeah. brewery there supports Hawaii and, J- and Japan and Asia, basically. Yep. And then we have one here. I think it's up in Humboldt County. There's two. There's two in, in the mainland U.S. There's one on the east and west coast. So that's there's right. There's one in Humboldt, and there's one, I think, in... It says it on the can. I think there's one in... Uh, I don't know, Connecticut or something like that. But um, I thought you might like this one. I think it's excellent. In fact, I'm going to go find more of it because this won't be around long. This is really good. I'm going to go get some of this. This is really good. And by the way, it's called Mai Tai, but it's spelled M-A-I, like a Mai Tai. Yeah. Hence the uh, fruit flavors and such. All right. Let's go ahead and rate this bad boy. I'm ready. Sure. Um, Um, Let's do... uh, Spiky fruits. Yeah, out of 14 (laughs) pineapples under the sea. Out of 14 pineapples under the sea, I'm going to give this... I'm going to give this 12 and a half pineapples under the sea. I'm going to give it a 13. Mm-hmm. Which is probably one of my higher This is rated a surprise. Beers. I was not yeah. expecting to like this this much. Especially after right after it opened. Oh, man. That is good. That is tasty. That is so delicious. Eric! Yes? Without further ado, it's not news to uh, everybody... But it's news to me, and it's news to you, so we're talking about the news. Reporting the news! So, a long time went by between recordings, just the way our recording schedule worked out. It's Mm -hmm. been almost a month and a half, month and a week. Yeah, about a month and a week. month and a week. Yep. So, first of all, we missed, uh, I don't think we talked about the PS5 reveal. No, we didn't. We talked about the controller. Yes. But since then, the PS5, the new PlayStation, mm-hmm. uh, again, we talk about everything retro and retro-related, and the PlayStation 5 plays some retro-style game, whatever, it it fits for us. Well, and it's, it's, got, a, it's got a lineage. I mean, it is a PlayStation. Yeah, so. there you go. Nonetheless, I have a picture up here of not, now not only the PlayStation 5, but also the new Xbox, which is out here. Yeah. And uh, I just want quick opinions because we're usually pretty positive about things. So yeah, what do you what do you think? Just aesthetically, yeah. Uh, I don't know. Whatever from what you can tell. I got to be honest with you. I I like them both, and for different reasons. I know the Xbox looks kind of bland. It's just a black box. But in the, the Xbox is basically a double tall Ouya. Yeah, but in it's under it's kind of an understated, simple black block black box design i kind of like i kind of dig it i don't know i kind of like it so yep. I, I, I actually like both and then the ps5 is kind of this futuristic looking uh you know I, it's i don't even know how to explain it 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 um it's like 2001 a space odyssey yeah somebody somebody said how? something funny online i just can't remember what they said but there's so many memes about this thing yeah um People are calling it like a Wi-Fi router wrapped in a tortilla. (laughs) It's like this black thing with this white covering. I think it looks cool. It looks almost like a uh, uh, reverse men in black Mm -hmm. uh, tailored suit. 
Yeah, I mean, if I had to vote and give the nod on which one looks better aesthetically, I'd probably pick the PS5. Um, but and then the Xbox, of course, <clears throat> like I said, it's a double tall Ouya. It's basically just a um, shoe, a black shoebox on its end, yeah. kind of taller than taller than it is wide. I think the Xbox is going to be easier to pl- put where you want it. Yeah. I'm a little worried about how you store the PS5 unless it's just sitting like on top of an open right. place. Which they kind of want you to do. I think they encourage you to do that anyway for the heat dissipation. Because um, I know my Xbox One, like I, I have to put it in a specific way to get the airflow going correctly on it and stuff like that. But no, I, 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 um, I dig them both. Um, I don't know if I'm going to be jumping into the next generation. Certainly not right away. It I never do it right be- away because the first units always have issues and I don't want to deal with it. Yeah. I'm, I'm not going to get into it right away. But if you had to, if you had to pick right now, don't even give an explanation. Which one do you think you'd go with? I go. Oh, I'd go with the PS5. You would. Okay. I feel like I got kind Same of here. burned with the Xbox One, even though I'm getting. As I will reveal later, I got. I'm getting back into it, but. My Xbox One has sit, sat for months dormant at times. Yeah. And that's just no good. Yeah, and I use my PS5. Well, the the Switch ate into my PS5 time pretty PS4. good. But PS4. PS4, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, what, what? But now, yeah. I just, I love it. I love that uh, they went white. I, I love that. Because uh, mm-hmm. if you look, I look at every previous PlayStation. Yeah. Aside from the first one, they're all just random black boxes. And they look boring. They blend in. They don't. You're right. It's not exciting. And that's fine. I mean, that's not why I buy it, first of all. Right. But why not have fun with it? And it looks great. The controller is super cool, uh, whereas I'm a little disappointed with the Xbox controller, which looks exactly like the previous one. It looks, yeah, very little difference. There is there is a little bit of difference, I think, with the D-pad. Uh, the, the, my D-pad on my Xbox One doesn't look quite like that, but it looks... I don't know. Like I said, like, like you just said, I'm not so much into the aesthetics of it. I don't care. But I think the PS5 is going to have a lot more um, original content or... or what, what word am I looking for? The first exclusive, party exclusives, exclusives yeah. that I'm going to want to play. So. Yeah, there's a couple. Uh, they announced a whole bunch of stuff. A lot of it was indie games, which was interesting. Yeah, and a lot of it was remakes of like old games, which is interesting because it's a brand new machine. You think they'd show brand new games and try to wow everybody, right? So that makes that a little worrisome. But Gran Turismo Seven is coming out. Oh, that's, that's nice. listed. And then Horizon Two is another big one they mentioned. Yeah. So, nonetheless, this next uh, news item was sent in by Tim. Okay. And that is the announcement of the VIC-20. So, again, I like to explain everything in case we have listeners that aren't familiar. Um, the VIC-20 was the predecessor to the Commodore 64. Uh, it was a, a micro microcomputer. And uh, rather than being 64-bit... Oh, Eric, you're going to have to... It was yeah. 4, right? 4 it bit? Was five. It five was 5, bit. but 3.5 usable. Five, was, it's a 5-bit... Yeah. Not bit. It was a 5 megabyte, five K computer. Yep. I'm just all t- stumbling over my words. <laughs> It's 5K, 3.5 roughly was what was available in the VIC, um, but it mainly took cartridges, which you could add memory on the cartridges, so the games were a little better than than that. That's all, that's just usable basic um, and machine code that you can load in from tape. Uh, that was my first computer, um, which, so I have some nostalgia for it. I really, I really dig it, but anyway. Yeah. Anyways, the VIC-20. Yep. Just like the... Commodore six or the C sixty four Mini and the C sixty four, yeah, which are recreations of the C sixty four computer. Mm-hmm. The Vic twenty has now come out, and it is a modern recreation, well, recreation, modern uh, computer on a chip. We'll call it inside of a working Vic twenty case. It's a full size with full with HDMI yeah. output. Yep. Now, I, I do want to say one thing. 
the 64, you know, I think that's what it's called, right? The 64. Yeah, the full-size one. The full-size one. It had a Vic mode. It does have a Vic mode. So I'm kind of like, if I'm going to, if I ever got one of these, which I don't know if they are, because to this day, the 64, the full-size one, hasn't come to the U.S. Come to the U.S., exactly. And I don't know if it will, because apparently it, will. it came out in Europe. They, they're enjoying them over there. Right. Um, but I think I'd just get the, the 64 and use the Vic mode. Yeah, I don't I don't know where I stand on both of these. I kind of want them just because they're there. And but then, honestly, I, I don't I know. I feel the same way. I feel the same yeah. way. Like it. Like I said, in the future, like like ten years ago, if I had a if I had imagined that somebody would be releasing a full size C sixty four of any kind with whatever chip is in it, whatever system on a chip or whatever, I'd get it because how often does this happen? Right. Well, actually, nowadays it happens constantly. Now which is, it does. It's a good thing. Now it does, but ten years ago it just wasn't going to happen. So it's pretty neat. Yeah. Um, speaking of that, here's another one. Uh, there's a new Sega micro console that was revealed. Yes. Have you seen this thing? I have. So it's a little Sega. Sega Astro City. It's an Astro City cab. Yep. Um, Which explain what that is. So yeah, in in Japan, there's these arcade machines that are called Astro City arcade machines, and there you sit at them, right? You don't stand at them. They're they're at, they're at sitting level. Yeah, they're not a cocktail cabinet. They are vertical mm-hmm. upright. They're just short. That's right. And you and can they pull have a, a stool seat up. usually. Yeah, you in can front pull a stool up and play it. Um, which I love. I've always wanted. I would love if I could get an Astro City, full size Astro City, arcade box in my house. I would love that. And I, you and I have both wanted that. Um, yeah. Either this or the, there's another company that makes one called the Egret. I always talk about. Right. Right. Yeah. Same kind of thing. And uh, there's what specific to the Japanese arcade cu- culture is they have these and they're usually white. Mm-hmm. And like you said, you sit at them. And people just swap boards out to change the game. Right. Marquees and boards. So that's just kind of how they've always had it over there. Uh, the only thing we had anywhere like that over here in America was, um, to my knowledge, uh, was something like, the, of course, the Nintendo Play Choice, um, but more accurately, um, the Neo Geo. Yeah. But that was full size stand up, and you still had to plug in carts and you had multiple games, and it had to be Neo Geo games. This is just like. Right. You know, you shove games in it. And the the Astro City uh, cabs, I think, aren't even made of particle wood or wood. They're pl- they're, they're all, all plastic, or right? fiberglass, fiberglass or, yeah, or plastic. Like yep. They look very modern if you haven't seen one. Even you, in the eighties, people can modern. just go look them up. They're very like modern looking, and I just love them. I wish I could get one and put a Raspberry Pi in it or something. But this this mini one is 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 interesting. I'm definitely going to get one. I'm gonna, I'm gonna I, see. This is tough for me because I, the Neo Geo one for me was such a. Even though I got a good deal on it, yeah, I'm not gonna play that thing. Right, but um, I, I think this one's gonna be a little different because these Sega games that are in there, 36, I think, it comes with 36 uh, games. Yeah, it does. I'll go over that in a second. They're here. all gonna be the really great like Sega arcade titles. Um, well, the mega the. The games on the, um, on the Geo, Neo Geo yeah. were great as well. Were, I just yeah. I couldn't play on that little screen. But yeah. it has HDMI. It does, but I, I don't think it, it works very well. Hmm. The, the games chug. They Anyways, do. we'll see how this goes. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it is modeled after a 1993 Astro City Cab, and it comes with the following games. I'll go through really quick. Alien Syndrome, Alien Storm, Golden Axe, Golden Axe, The Revenge of Death Adder, Columns 2, Dark Edge, Puzzle and Action, Tanter, Virtual Fighter, Fantasy Zone, Altered Beasts, and many, many more. Yeah, and that's just that's just the ones they're announcing right now. One thing to note, Golden Axe, The Revenge of Death Adder, that mm-hmm. has never been released. 
Yeah, uh, only, oh, it was okay. only in the arcade. It was never released as a as a console version, or there was no there's no ports of it. Gotcha. I think you can probably find a main ROM for it, but it was never released. So it's going to be. This is the first time it's actually re- going to be released. Very cool. And of course, check out the leak we have in our show notes to find more information about this thing. Yeah. But I do see right here that it says, unlike the Neo Geo Mini, mm-hmm. uh, Sega says the stick uses proper micro switches. Mm-hmm. Um. There's an HDMI out on the back as well as two USB-A ports. Mm-hmm. Ooh, A. That's, that's more universal at this point. Uh, a micro USB port, a headphone jack, and no word on whether to have a built-in battery. Now, that I doubt is the key thing. Yeah. That, that would be pretty sweet, but I don't think it will. It, but it it should, in yeah. my opinion. Now, it, did, now, have you seen the controller that's going to come with this? They released a picture of it in Oh, I have not Japan. seen that, now. Uh, see if you can Google that real quick and throw it on the screen, because I thought the it looked really slick, and the cool thing is it has six buttons. I do love the uh, Neo Geo controller. Yeah, and I and I do as well. What if there... I have a... I think I have a link somewhere, but... Um, it, 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 it has six buttons, so it's going to work really great with the... Uh, with the... Um, fighting games that are on there, like Virtual Fighter and, and uh, things like that. Um... I, I think even the external controller looks really good. Well, when that pops up, we'll mention it. Okay. Um, I also wanted to mention the most recent addition to the NES and SNES games on the Switch. Uh, if you subscribe to Switch Online, they released some games I'm excited about. Uh, Donkey Kong Country, which Eric's not a huge fan of, but right. Donkey Kong Country... Uh, Natsume Championship Wrestling, which I don't care about wrestling games. And then for NES, The Immortal, which is a really interesting, like, isometric RPG. Huh. Almost has a Arch- Archon kind of feel, because when you run into an enemy, you do, like, these yeah. zoom-in battles. Um, that, so we're looking at the Sega one. It looks big. Here we go. We're back to Sega. Yep, I'm looking at the controller, and it actually mimics the look of the arcade. And know what's cool about it? Yeah, look at... Actually, it's not huge. It's Five, about five inches wide, seven tall, seven deep. Um, just a little bit bigger. I think it's that's bigger than the Neo Geo, though, so that give it a little more real estate. Pretty small screen still, though. I mean, it's got a big bezel. What do you think of that controller? The controller's cool because it looks just like the cabinet itself. So. That's pretty slick. Yeah. So I, I'm definitely in on this. I'm gonna. I'm definitely gonna grab one if they're now. That that is extra. The cabinet is 120 dollars. The controller is 26 yeah. US dollars. Apparently, so. Um, he's comparing it right now to uh, the Neo Geo. But anyways, Amiga games, Eric. Yes, so have you played Golden Wing? I have recently, but I don't remember it. Throw, if you could throw up a, a video of it maybe real quick, because I'll show show you what it looks like. But the <laughs> this... this um, get, my, get my joke? What'd you say? I, <laughs> I threw it up. <laughs> but um, uh, hold on. <laughs> the Golden Wing Collector's Edition is now available, and it comes in a very nice box. Um, I think there's some feelies in there, uh, but this is a really uh, just a. I, I have a. I had a blast playing this game. I played it for. See the nice box there. Uh, it's got a picture of the graphics, uh, like three three D picture of the graphics that are on there yep. on a three and a half um, inch disc. It's kind of like a weird cross between, um, I don't know, like an Asteroids and, uh, Bosconian. and a Bosconian-style game. Um, so yeah. Made by Bitmap Soft, which Bitmap Soft makes some, yep. some pretty good stuff. 
And I think the price is very reasonable for a physical copy. I mean, that's what going to be like 32 US dollars is 25 euros, it looks like, or 25 pounds. Yeah, the price point is perfect. The issue always is with these things, shipping to get it over here. Right. All of a sudden, that becomes a $50 game, and that's always a little hard to swallow. But oh, there, So there's a list of what's in there. So there's a, a single-sided poster, collection of stickers, oh, that's golden awesome. wing badge. Uh, if you could scroll up a little bit there. Um, instruction oh, booklet. Yeah. So, I mean, not not a ton, but, I mean, it's such a great game. Oh, that's plenty. That's really cool. Yeah. Requirements, Mega 500 with the 512K expansion or better. Yeah. So almost bare minimum. Yeah. Um, looks like another cool thing came out for the SES, the SES, uh, what do you call it, NES emulator? Yeah. So have you seen this? The 3D Sin? So I, available? I saw download this, it on Steam? I saw this like five, I want to say five or six years ago when they were right. like working on it, but it's released now. It's released now. You can go download it on Steam. And what this does is it turns... Now, it doesn't work on every NES game, but you throw a, NES, a Nintendo Entertainment System game at it, you throw a ROM at it, and it will convert it to 3D. Um, and I was going to ask you, it, do you think you would... Ooh, Micromages, they've got up right now. Yeah. That's cool, which is a, a modern... Um, right. I'll call it a homebrew, but a modern release for NES. Yep. And I, I saw some games like uh, the Mario games. There was Metroid. Um, basically just gives it some depth and a, and a 3D feel to it. Yeah, and kind of. You can adjust the 3D um, perspective. So you can make it really 3D. You can shift it at a slant. I mean, there's a lot of variables you can tinker with. Um, there's going to be a VR version as well. Yeah, this thing uh, it's way cool that this exists and they were able to make this work. And I'm definitely going to tinker with it. I do think it'll be a novelty. It'll be fun to play with a little bit, but I don't think there's going to be a whole lot of games I'm going to be like, oh, I'm going to make sure to play that all the way through on a on this particular emulator. Right. And but like they say, like they say it doesn't cool. work with everything, but like, watch this, like when it converts this to 1 to 3D, it's pretty slick. Yeah, it looks cool. I'm, I want to, I'm curious how, how you can control the vantage point. Um, in some of these, it kind of looks like with some of the games just kind of scroll along. Other games, kind of the vantage point moves around, so you're more to the left or more to the right. And I think they're just doing that to show it off. Yeah, I mean, you wouldn't play it that way. Man, it is cool. Yeah, very cool. See, Check not, that out. They're not showing like a like a Nintendo games in here for some reason. Maybe oh, I'm sure. Yeah, copyright. copyright. Yeah. But I've I've seen some of the demos of the of like Mario and Metroid, and they look really good. Yeah. So anyway. very cool. Check out the link. Yep. A uh, couple of cool reenact uh, reenactments, reimaginings of games. Uh, have you seen Rayman Redemption? I have not. So basically, it's a fan Rayman game. Uh, Redemption. There we go. Uh, so basically, we've we've had you know tons of new um, Sonic fan games. Right. We've had fan games based off of Alex Kidd. We've had fan games. A lot of these, I'll take the uh, the previous code and just kind of move things around. But this is a, I think, a ground um, up reimagining of a game. And uh, let's see here. Do, 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 do. Here's a video of it. Rayman Redemption. So I'm not sure how long this will be up. So if you can download it, download it now. <laughs> it's one of one of those right. things. I'm sure this property is very much uh, still in use. Um. But this is a fan-made game, and it looks amazingly solid. It looks like a um, higher-res version of the original PlayStation Rayman, 
I should say I shouldn't say PlayStation. It was a uh, wasn't it Jaguar first? I think so. Um, but I believe this is all new. I believe this are all new characters and enemies and levels and the graphics look amazing. Yeah, I this mean, this is just on PC. I believe it is. Um, yeah, it's PC, and of course they can't charge for it because it's not not their property. Not their property. So you just kind of have to Google it and find it. Uh, I found one site called Game Jolt that had it available. But check it out. I want to make sure uh, anybody can get a copy before again. I, it's probably going to go the way of the dodo, Eric. Rayman Redemption. Rayman Redemption. It looks good. It does. Cool. Speaking of remakes. Yes. I also want to tell you, we just kind of mentioned Alex Kidd. Yep. I can't get enough of this beer. The beer is really good. I'm trying to go slow because I don't want it to be gone. <laughs> um, Alex Kidd in Miracle World DX which uh, this game, uh, kind of like Lizard Cube did a couple years ago with the uh, Wonder Boy. Not Wonder Boy, I'm already breaking it down again. No, you, I thought that was right, Wonder Boy and the Dragon's... Yeah, the Dragon's Trap. Yeah. There we go. Got it. Thank you. Yeah. Um, they kind of redid it, updated it. It's still physically the same game, and you can go back and forth between the art styles. That's right. But it's I the remember. same game, but it's such a good game. They're like, let's up-res it, make all new graphics, bring it out for modern systems. They did the same thing here with Alex Kidd and Miracle World DX, which I guess means deluxe. Everything, they put DX on a lot of things. They do. Uh, but it looks amazing. I mean... Uh, the graphics look stunning. Looks like it's planned to be released in 2021, coming out on Steam, and I'm sure other other systems as well. Um, and you can see here how they can go back and forth between the original and the new uh, fancy schmancy gl- graphics here. So I'm I'm stoked about this one, even though we did a whole episode where we talked about it. I'll play it again. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if they keep the uh, the uh, rock paper scissors matches in there where you have to memorize exactly which one to do. Yeah. I would hope they got rid of that. That's the one downfall of that game. Oh, you in think my they would have? Yeah. We'll, we'll have to read read up on it. <laughs> I like it. It looks great. I'm going to have some more watermelon beer. So, my next news item is there mm-hmm. is a new homebrew game for the ZX Spectrum, which plays I on... I guess homebrew. It's it's a port, Eric. Well, it's, it's a, a port, port. <laughs> but it's a homebrew port. I mean, yeah. the company didn't make it. Um, and it is a version of Parsec for mm-hmm. the ZX Spectrum. It is pretty interesting because when you load it up it actually shows you the ti 99 boot screen you know with the rainbows on oh, each wow. side and uh it is it looks to me by by just having played it for maybe 15 20 minutes it's an exact port of parsec with the voices and everything yeah so this this is one of those things again ports where i'm not a huge fan yeah. of ports and in this particular case when it comes to the TI-994A, love, you know, we, not, we talk about it. We love the hardware. We loved all the add-ons. We loved playing with it. Uh, not a ton of great stuff on there. Right. Parsec was the clear uh, piece de resistance for the uh, yeah. TI-994A computer. It is the probably the best like or most popular game, I guess, on the TI. Yeah. Maybe the best. Maybe the best, but cool little side-scrolling shmup. Um, kind of a somewhere in between like a gradius and like a um uh what am i thinking scramble right kind of in between there and then the novel thing about it back in the day was it had it used the voice synthesizer for the ti so it had voice it had very clear speech samples yeah and uh so what this does though to be completely honest with you it bums me out because uh, i love the fact that only 
the only way to play Parsec, oh, outside of emulation, the yeah. only way to play Parsec is to pull out my TI-99 4A and play the quintessential Do it. Texas Instruments game. And now it's just like, oh, no, it doesn't matter what you have. It's going to be everywhere here. People are just going to start porting things. <laughs> I'm like, gosh darn it. Well, you can always go back and play the authentic one. I think it's pretty cool, and I played it, and it, it seems like a very, if anything, a technical marvel. I mean, it it's interesting to see a game that looks exactly like a TI-99 Yeah, I mean, it really does. Game. I didn't play it yet. It, it, I don't think I will. <laughs> really? So, like, if you played on the, if I, I think I have this right, if you played on the 128K, it has the voice samples. If you play it on 48K, they strip away a lot of that stuff. But it plays on both. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. So. It's interesting because I think the only thing that TI-99-4A um, can boast now is that it doesn't have a port of Doom on it, which everything has a port of Doom yeah. at this point, including the Playdate, which is the, the system, the handheld system that's not even out yet. We talked about it last episode. It has a crank on the side. We still don't know what games are on there. So at this point, I literally know the only game that I know of that's on the system is Doom. <laughs> here's a picture of it it's super grainy it's super black and white super grainy it, um you know it's only got a d-pad and two buttons and then the crank yeah uh it said something on here they were thinking about making the crank shoot the gatling gun <laughs> like that'd be pretty cool <laughs> kind of cool once or twice yeah bit of a stretch but i thought that was funny yeah um here's a fun fact yeah the Guinness Book of World Records, which I used to think was the coolest thing in the world when I was a kid. Same here. And then I feel at this point it's just gone downhill. Yeah. I remember going through there and just looking through like these amazing feats and they had to travel the world and, you know, the world was much bigger back then because you didn't have the internet and stuff. Right. And uh, everything was amazing. Nowadays, like anybody who has a YouTube channel has had a Guinness person there to watch them do some dumb thing they made up. Right. Or half the records now are like the most people cheering at a at a curling match yeah cool you got a hundred thousand people together cheering for this curling team that's a record or yep. some dumb thing we're like this is it's easy you just need to get make up the, a record that doesn't exist and make it and do it and pre-internet i remember going into bookstores and you could get the latest of that year guinness book like guinness oh, yeah. book of world records 1981 Guinness Book of World and they and it was there, a fat it was, little like almost like a little dictionary or a yep, bible like an was, almanac kind of and it was um, tiny words all all just small text yep and it was cool because you could just grab that every couple of days and or a couple of days every couple of years and you would get because there was no internet so you would read all this pretty cool stuff that was in the guide and I remember my family had a couple of those yeah my daughters have them now but uh, a lot of them are just it's like pictures and there's not nearly as much information mm. so I used to be able to thumb through that and find new stuff every time yeah and now you can read the whole thing in a couple nights but nonetheless the the retro game portion of it is that they are reinstating Billy Mitchell's high scores <laughs> yeah and I gotta admit I, I haven't kept up I Speaking kept, of pa- Pac-Man. <laughs> yeah, I haven't kept up with that whole drama, and I didn't see that documentary that he was oh, in. Oh, you didn't? No, I never watched that. I, so, mean, I, I hear about it on podcasts all the time. Oh, you need, you need to watch it. Okay. It's King of Kong. Is it good? And it's just a, it's just a fun, entertaining... You can tell it's... It's, you know, it's set in reality, but completely exaggerated, blown away out of... And it's just enjoyable. It's just entertainment. Dumb, fun entertainment. Okay. You have to watch it. It's great. But what's hard to tell is if he... I mean, he's definitely playing a character in that movie. Yeah. 
but he continues to play it in real life. Like, ever since that movie, he's played that character. Yeah. So you kind of have to hate him just because the character he played is such a word I'm not going to say on our PG-rated show. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, and I've read that it's a very exaggerated version of the of the characters in yeah. there. Like they're, it's almost like a scripted... There has to be a villain. There has to be a good guy. Um, it almost feels like um, a semi-sincere spinal tap. Yeah. Almost like a... Mo- it's a mockumentary, really, is what it is, but it's based in reality, so it's like border... It's gr- very gray area. Yeah. But getting back to this, so I thought it was proven that he did use a MAME ROM to do that, and there were ways to prove that. It, everyone um, got really into the weeds about it, and to the point where I know I just don't give up. Flying yeah, I Dutchman. Yeah. I, um... I, I just think it's funny that the Guinness Book of World Records at this point is like, oh, let's put it back in the news again. Mm-hmm. I'll reinstate it. I don't know. Whatever. Okay. There's a link if you care to read. I didn't read. I just, <laughs> just, just want to talk about it. <laughs> You're one of those guys that just reads the headlines. Yep. Well, For fair. this particular one, I am. Exactly. I would have too. So. <laughs> yep. So have you read about this on Amiga? I literally heard about this for the first time like four weeks ago, mm-hmm. and I've seen people talk about like every day since so it's to a, me it popped out of nowhere but i know it can't have because it's it's a big, available yeah and it's a big deal but it is based on like the um an fpga so it's a lot like a mister but i think it's a it's not quite as powerful of an fpga chip as the mister um so but, both of those use fpgas and they're mm-hmm. basically hardware emulation of real machines yep and so what this does is it it's almost like the ultimate 64 it's a header it's basically a long PCB where, with the FPGA built in, but it replicates all of the ports on the back of the Amiga 500. So it it has all the ports fit in the slot in the case correctly, but they're upgraded ports. Like there's a PS2 keyboard and mouse. There's a VGA port. There's an SD card slot. Um, all that stuff's in the back. And then um, it also has the keyboard connector for an A500, but you can also fit it in a Checkmate, like that Checkmate uh, 1500 case. Yeah, the new case they made for... You, I don't know why you'd want to put one, you know... For an A500 or A2000 board, I believe? Something like that, but the Unamiga is that header board. But the nice thing is, the unlike the Mister, I mean, it's not that much money. I think it was 125 euros, I want to say. Okay. Something right around that. So not not. So that if you if you get an Unamiga mm-hmm. and an A five hundred shell, yep, is that everything you need to ha- have all, have an Amiga? It's everything you have. It's everything. Hmm. Yeah, and it's all modern, so it's not going to die. It uses a p- modern power supply. In fact, it uses the same as a cell phone, so it's a little five volt. Oh, that's cool. Um, and it, it you hit this key combo, and it brings you a menu, and you can mount stuff in different ADF slots. There's a a place to mount an HDD image, like a, a hard drive image. Um, it it basically is an Amiga, and there was uh, the Amigos and uh, Ten Minute Amiga Retrocast both did videos. Our boy Doug, yep, unboxing them and showing them off, and I found it really interesting. And I got to tell you, the the second batch of this new version went online, and he sells like I think it was forty five um, units, and if he sells those out, then he then he starts building them. So there was a batch oh, okay. open. There was a batch open for four or five days. And I, I, I was literally hovering over the thing, like wanting to buy one, but I kept kicking my own butt thinking I have, I have like five different ways to run Amiga stuff. I mean, I have on actual hardware, I have a 500, I have a 600, I have a 1200, I have a mister, I have an emulator. I mean, I have Amiga stuff up yeah. the wazoo. So 
I was like, I can't do this. I can't do this. And finally, I, I, my better judgment went over and I didn't pull the trigger. And they're sold out now again, the, the next batch. They look really cool, though. If you're not. I love the concept. Yeah. I love that it's modern. It's not going to break for years and years and years to come. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't have to fiddle with things. It just works. It just works. Modern plugs. I love all that. My uh, The reason this is not one I would want to jump on is mm-hmm. kind of the stuff you said. We already have ways to do it yep. on real hardware, which is kind of my thing. Yeah. But I think I would jump if it wasn't taking a nice, small, modern board and shoving it in the largest freaking Amiga. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, that out of my, I have four Amigas here as well, and mm-hmm. that A500 takes up more desk, desk space, like, physically yeah. than, like, the 2000. No, you're right. Um, I would love exactly what you're talking about if it would fit in the 600. How cool would that be? Like, this tiny little... Maybe he'll come out with that. Now, that, that, that would be something I'd probably look into. Yeah. And it'd be cool if, I don't know what, specs-wise, can it play, like, anything? Yeah, it's a, ba- so the one he has right now is emulates an O20 with, uh, I think it's, like, 20 megs of fast RAM and 2 megs of chip RAM, something like that. So not the highest-end Amiga, but it's a, it, it, it it's kind of like a, um, an Amiga 500 on steroids with an O20, but it also does AGA. So for... Anyone who's completely lost, we're talking about Amiga computers, 16-bit computer line yeah. that was big in the <clears throat> late 80s, early 90s. Um, all right. So because it's an FPGA and everything is so much more advanced than it is back now mm-hmm. than it was back then, I don't understand. I don't. I shouldn't say I don't understand. I don't think, with my limited knowledge, there should be any problem in just emulating like an O60 with an FPGA and in a little A600 yeah, for, there, for there, a very similar price. There are technical limitations to an FPGA. And one of them is because it it simulates the chips down to the chip, at the chip level, you can't just say, well, I'm going to emulate, like, even the, like the, the 386 one I have on my mister, it doesn't run great because they can't just simulate a 486. Okay. I mean, it's not powerful enough to do that. And just like that, it can't do an 060 correctly, at least not yet, and you'd have to have a pretty powerful FPGA to emulate an 060. You know, the vampires are FPGA, so they do just emulate an 060, but they're very, they're, they're a high-end FPGA. Well, type. and those vamp, so a vampire is this board that goes on top of your existing ex- yeah. original hardware, mm-hmm. and basically it sucks the life. <laughs> right. It becomes this thing. Anyways, and those things are like 500 bucks. I mean, they're not cheap, so. Right, so to get like this thing down, the the cost of the Unamiga down to 125 euros, they had to put a lower end FPGA chip in it, and I think the O20 is the, what it can do. I think that's a great solution, actually. Yeah. I mean, I, anyways. Well, no, we'll, you know, he could put a better FPGA chip in the next one and make it do an O30 or an O40 or an O60. Give me an O30 in an a600 case for 150 and i'll buy it right but i mean i don't know what how much i'm just saying me specifically yeah yeah that's my magic number (laughs) but i'm not everybody but anyway it's a cool one it is sold out now but the next batch once he ships that batch he'll open up another yeah it sounds like they're doing yeah i wouldn't be surprised by if the next batch it's 100 yeah you know there's obviously a, a market for this stuff yep um the evercade eric i was hovering over the evercade buy button yes today Okay. I think I'm, by the next episode, I'd be very surprised if I didn't have an Evercade in my hands. Um, and you know our buddy so cool. um, Dan James, I believe, is he 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 got an Evercade. He did. Uh, so I forgot to mention this at the front of the show. This yeah. is a, a side tangent. Okay. We had two pieces of errata and feedback, Eric. Yeah. 
Uh, Dan James, if you're out there, thank you for correcting me. <laughs> what did he say? So last episode, I did something, and right when I when I did it, I said something. I just kind of hoped no one would notice, even though it's recorded and broadcast to the internet to our millions and millions of viewers. Yeah, somebody's going to notice. Someone's going to notice. Uh, Dan called me on it. Um, the song uh, "Waiting for a Girl Like You." I've been waiting. Yeah, I love that song. I sang it last uh, yeah. show. And uh, I sang it in a very Michael McDonald way, in my <laughs> right. opinion. Yeah, sure. And I just said, do I sound like Michael McDonald? I'm not going to pretend I didn't, in my head, for some reason at that point, think that was Michael McDonald. Right. It is not. It is Lou Graham, by, which is Foreigner, the singer of Foreigner. Right. Yep. So thank you, Dan, for pointing me out and making me waste a minute of this show <laughs> to embarrass myself and say, you are correct. I am wrong. And I am now going to hide my shell and never sing or mention an artist ever again. <laughs> you have ruined me, Dan. <clears throat> but he got an Evercade recently, and he told me... I've been kind of asking him some questions in direct messages on Twitter, and he's um, he's enjoying it. Says he loves it. Um, yeah, Evercade's going to take my money. Yep. Uh, however, I always said I want new releases, releases that I don't have a million versions of. Yeah. Um, so I was really excited when they mentioned, you know, the, uh, Mega Cat Studios cart, the Pico Interactive cart. Uh, very recently, there was two, um, Genesis games that were released for Genesis on cartridge. Uh, the, uh, oh, the one with the Fox and then the one on the Dreamcast that you got. <laughs> I'm really bad with words right now. That's okay. You'd think I'd do some research before we record these things. That's okay. Nonetheless, a new cartridge is coming out. Yeah. And it's a whole bunch of uh, Dizzy games from the Oliver Twins, mm-hmm. which, again, if you're British, you know what that is. Um, you and I don't care much for the Dizzy games, the I, style of gameplay. Right. But it is 11 games, and it is cool because the proceeds for this particular cart are all going to go to charity. Oh, sweet. Um, but digging through here, there's a few games. They're not all they're not all Dizzy games. There's some other Oliver Twins games on here. Yeah. Uh, by the way, the charity is the National Video Game Museum. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, so let me just run through these real quick. Here's Mystery World Dizzy, which is very much a Dizzy game. Yeah. Uh, and same with Fantasy Dizzy. But then here's BMX Simulator. Which, which looks a, cool. Yeah, and I've heard a, lo- a lot of good things about this. I think this one... It's interesting. This was interesting to me. Um, I want to say that game was big on the Spectrum. I think the uh, the Amigos did it on their Spectrum. Uh, yeah. Our Sinclair show. I think you're right. Um, but this this one... This doesn't look like Commodore to me. Well, these look like reimagined. All of them look like reimagined games. I mean, the, these don't look like the original graphics. This one is Dizzy the Adventurer, which is another standard Dizzy game. Yeah. Here's Dreamworld Pogey. Mm. Um, here is Firehawk. Ooh, that's a cool a little, little military game. Yeah, uh, this one does look cool. This is it's a Dizzy game, but it's a puzzle puzzler called Go Dizzy Go. Mm-hmm. And this one is also a uh, kind of like a Tetris looking puzzler with dice almost it looks like i don't know i don't right. uh, panic dizzy and then this game super robin hood is actually i love this game it's really fun i've played oh, it on I, i've never played it i played it on the spectrum and on the commodore 64 um and then there's a couple other standard dizzy games now when i looked at super robin hood this is this these all look like the amstrad versions to me hmm. uh, my amstrad is up and running We'll talk about that shortly in the next episode. Okay. I haven't played very many games yet, and we'll get to that as well. But um, from what I've seen, this looks very Amstrad. I wonder... I, I don't know where to find out where these games... Um, what versions they are. But they look... They look Amstrad-y to me. 
I might have to do some research on there, and maybe maybe that's what he did. Is just has a little Amstrad emulator running on it, and just runs the the Amstrad versions of these. Yeah, I mean, I looked around, and I don't see, I don't see anyone talking about which version of the game is. They don't seem to care. They're just like, hey, it's our games. Yeah. Anyways, okay. A new cart for I'm sure twenty bucks. That's how much the carts cost. So I'm gonna get one. These things are so cool. See, I'm I'm thinking about taking a different tact with this because I don't think over its life there's gonna be that many cartridges. I mean, I think it's going to be a cool system, and it might even do pretty well. But I think this might be a system where you could get all the cartridges. Oh, yeah. Well, we're already up to, like, 12. Right. It's only yeah. been out for a few months. So it's already, like, 12. Yeah. And they plan on releasing... Ooh, what did you say? Two a month? Oh, really? I think that they had a lot. So that, that might change. But if you get one of the packs where you start out with how many? Three cartridges? Three, yeah. Then you're not that far away from just go going and getting all the rest of them. See that collector mentality, though. So well, it might be nice to get on the ground floor on it, though. Yeah. You know? So I'm gonna get that starter pack because it comes with three, mm-hmm. and it's only twenty dollars more than the right than the basic pack, which only comes with a, the Atari ones. Yeah. Uh, then any previous games are twenty bucks. See, but I I just have a hard time paying for twenty dollars, even though it's a cool cart and twenty dollars is not a bad price yeah. for a bunch of. You know, interplay games that I already have on Genesis and a bunch of mm-hmm. Atari Collection 2, which I already have on Atari. Um, but all these new ones by new studios and homebrews that are being kind of put on cartridge, those right. are for 20 bucks. That's no brainer. But they do look good all lined up together on the shelf. And right. now, you know, now I'm getting to cartridge collecting again, which I was <laughs> trying to get away from. But hey. Right. Oh, and if we haven't mentioned it on the show, they also have two different Lynx collections now, Atari Lynx collections. Oh, see, that would be cool for those me because cool. I don't have a Lynx, so I would love to get into those games. Yeah, I also want to get a real Lynx. Yeah, but anyways, um, you wanted to bring up the Mini Pet again for some reason. Tell I, me why. I did not. That was Oh, Tim's. is this Tim's? Yeah. Oh, well, Tim, if you guys don't know, Tim Drew happens to work for a little company called The Future Was 8-Bit. They make great products for typically British c- retro computers. Yeah. Um, get get into their stuff. Check out the future was 8bit.com. It's TFW8bit.com. Something like that. Sorry. Um, and they came out with the Mini Pet, which is a recreation of the Commodore Pet on a small little board. And apparently there is a Mini Pet build video that uh, Rod Hole from the Future Was 8-Bit mm-hmm. um, went ahead and built it built it live on YouTube and edited the video and he made it available on the, his YouTube channel. Yeah. So, and, you know, I, I have a pet and this this particular pet motherboard would fit right into my pet, but you could also build it... From scratch. Out, from scratch outside of, of a pet. You don't need a pet. You could actually attach this cool keyboard add-on. And all the accessories in the back, and you could really build a custom 3D case or just not have a case at all, but you'd have a pet computer that you could yeah. use. It is it is really neat. I, I wish I had the money to just throw at that, but it is a little pricey, but it's really cool. It is cool, and I'm sure in, in time, someone will make a uh, little 3D printed mm-hmm. CAD files. You can print up like a mini pet that fits perfectly with this particular Amazon screen and this particular keyboard. And, and when that happens, I might jump in, because that would be pretty <laughs> neat to have. When when they make it that easy, it's hard not to just throw money at it. Yeah, take my money. So Tim's last one here is Microsoft Flight Simulator 2020, which um, you know I was really into flight simulators as a kid, not so much anymore. But have you seen the um, have you seen the graphics on this new one? Yeah, we actually talked about this a few episodes ago. I think we did. Yeah, we were talking about that weird airport that's kind of like an on an angle, and you go off a cliff, and yep. it's like a real airport. Yeah, 
Yeah, no, it looks amazing. I saw a lot more footage of this because, like I said, one of my good friends of childhood is really into flight sim. So we were looking at these videos, and it looks it looks photorealistic. Yeah, it's cool. Even when you're in the airport, and there are like uh, the guys walking around with the wands, like directing things. I mean, oh, it, yeah? it, all that's in there, and it looks realistic. It looks amazing. And then you see Tom Hanks inside the airport, and he's stuck. <laughs> he's, and stuck he's getting change from all the carts, returning them. That's right. I never saw that. <laughs> Um, anyways, it's about to go closed beta, which is a fancy programmer development term that means some, I don't, at this point, alpha and beta and all that stuff yeah. means I don't even know anymore because there's games that have been on Steam that are, have like millions and millions of, of followers that have been in beta for five years. So I don't even know what that means anymore. But, uh, anyways, Tim says, any love for this? And I love the concept. Um, I think it looks great. I'd love to tinker with it, but I think it would pro- probably, honestly, once I start playing it a little bit, fall into that category of um, Farming Simulator 2019, like right. last year, where it was just a little too more too in depth for the amount of time I'm willing to give it. The truth is that I saw that these are going to come out not just on PC, but they're going to be on the Xbox and maybe the PS. But That's I think it's cool. going to be the Xbox. That's cool. If it's on the Xbox and they simplify the controls. Not um, not the not the flight controls, but like on PC, every button on your keyboard is used for something. Yeah, yeah. You know, do this, do that, turn this on, turn that on. But if they can put that down into a controller and it's it's pretty easy to use, I don't know if the price is right because you I, they usually don't. I mean, I could see that coming out in a couple of years for thirty bucks or twenty bucks. I might get it because I mean the graphics look so amazing on that. And if I, could I'm sure get, you'd have a compu- need to have a computer worth it, which I probably don't. I think you do now with your new one. I but. do, but yeah, I I I might want it on a simplified control platform like on the Xbox. So anyway, ladies and germs, that's the news. That's the news. That is the end of the news. Uh, which means we get to have beer. Ooh, let's go have some more beer. Okay. Um, and then Eric, I think it's time to put you through a little gauntlet. Ooh. A little game show. Another okay. little game show here. So we got to get a beer first. We've got to get a beer first. This is an important part of the show. Uh, if you guys have any feedback uh, about the news, any things that we miss, because we miss a lot, um, please, uh, if you guys see articles, send them our way. We'd love to hear about them. Um, ooh, hear that ice? I hear that ice. It's a, ooh, do I see a Grolsch? That looks like a Grolsch. Let me get you a beer, governor. I want to hear this one. You open this one on the... Uh, Oops. It's just water, so be careful. Don't put it over your laptop. Yeah. Um, so you, you, it looks like you've had these before. I have. I've never had one. Okay. It's, I mean, it's a very European okay. uh, style beer. Okay. Um, premium Pilsner. It's in a cool... The reason I bought it was it's in a very cool bottle. Have you opened one of these before? I, ha- uh, I probably a long time ago. So you go to the backside and you go... Oh. There it is. So the back... Like this side? Yep. Like that? Yeah, just, just push, push forward. Up. No, uh, forward. Forward. Okay, ready? I don't want to blow something up. <laughs> there you go, ready? That's halfway there. Keep doing it again. There it is. Woo! So oh. these come... Yeah, they have this really cool... Um, there's literally a hole in the side of the bottleneck here. It's a, a green glass bottle. Yeah. And yeah, it's got this little metal contraption here holding on a essentially a ceramic cork. Yeah, that, when I was getting into ho- like brewing your own beer, you could buy these bottles so that you could reuse them. I'm keeping these. I think these are, these are cool. 
So anyway, I got these. So I, if you've had them before, I apologize. I got a duplicate beer, but I've never had one, so I'm pretty excited to to try this out. So I'm going to pour this in here. There you go. That is cold and refreshing. Oh, and the, the bottle. It's a maxi bottle. All right. Here, I'll, I'll cheers here like this. Cheers. Cheers. It oh. has that... It has a bit... Oh! Yeah, you're right. It has a bit of that, like, uh, I don't know how to explain it, like an eggy... It's a bit skunky. Yeah, it's a bit skunky. <laughs> it's a bit skunky, governor. It's a, yeah, in that vein of uh, kind of like a Heineken-ish kind of style Pilsner. Yeah. I'm excited to try it, because I imagine it just tastes like the, all the typical European you, Pilsners, but I'm That's ready. interesting. I, I smell that. And yeah, you smell it? Yeah, I smell it, but there's nothing egg about that to me. That is, no? that is like dank. <laughs> Maybe it's a dank egg. It's a dank egg. It's a it's dank like, egg. It's skunky. <laughs> we just turned into a whole new genre of beer. Dank Ooh, eggy beer. In the style of dank egg. All right. It's well, a bit danky. Mm-hmm. It is a bit nutty. <laughs> that, that's refreshing as all get out. That's all get out. What are your initial impressions? So, I am a fan of, for lack of a better term, like flavorless pilsners, like a, like an Asahi or a Sapporo. They're not, they're not I like the flavorous. Ja- I like the Japanese ones. Maybe that's just a mind game. I don't and know. I love the Japanese ones. Like Asahi, I could drink that all day. I love it. Mm-hmm. Um, Sapporo is, is my go-to. Yeah, and Sapporo's a good one, too. Uh, I like Asahi a little better, but... Um, or even... Um, the uh, Chin Chow, the Chinese. This one has a little bit of um, a weird aftertaste. I can't put my finger on it. That's the part that I think is kind of nutty. Yeah. I like I, it, though. I like it, too. I'm not... It, 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 that's what's lacking, I guess, in Asahi and Sapporo. So this one has that kind of um, almost a little bite to the aftertaste. This is, to me, this is like... I, it's almost like Heineken if it was good. Yeah, that's a good explanation. I, don't, I do not like Heineken. I don't either. I do not like it. And it smells like Heineken. You're right. But it when does. you taste it, it's not got the it, the, the negative af- aftertaste is replaced by this kind of nutty flavor. Yeah. So when you've had this in the past, um, was it this exact one? Mm-hmm. Okay. Is this the only Grolsch? Uh, to my knowledge, yeah. Okay. That's, I mean, that is the bottle. That is really Grolsch. Cool. Yeah, it's cool. That'll go in my little bottle collection up there. Why not? <laughs> I haven't, um, I haven't saved one. So you want to rate this now, or you want to give it a... Yeah, I mean, it's very one-sided, so we, we got the flavor. Sure. We got you wanna, it. You want to pick the system? I think I, I picked it last time. Pick the rating system. Out of 99 bottles of Grosch on the wall, <laughs> okay. how many bottles does this give you? I'm going to give this uh, 99. I'm going to give it a uh, 70. Hmm. I'm gonna give it a seventy. Okay. I'm. I'm. It might be a little I'm, high. Oh, really? No. No, I'm gonna give it a seventy. No, I. I didn't, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of tracking that. with you. I was thinking like seventy-four. Yeah, I'm gonna I'll give it a seventy. Seventy-four bottles of Grouch on the War. Well, Which, it's not bad at all. It's refreshing. So I mean, it's a great summer beer. Yep. Follows my dog. It's a great everyday beer. Dog days of summer theme. In a bottle that screams, "This is gonna cost more than it should." Yeah, and it wasn't that much. I'm gonna be honest. That, yeah. Yeah. Cool. It really wasn't that much. It was a couple bucks with a the bottle. I'll give it seventy-seven bottles. Yeah, across with the, the bottle. Wall. Look at this bottle. I the mean, presentation. I give this an eighty-five for just the bottle. <laughs> All right, Eric. Cool. As we like to do on Pixel Guide in from show to show. Yeah. 
It's time for battle. And by battle, I mean game show. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, this is a battle of systems. No, no, this no. is uh, game show time for All just right. me. So, Eric. Yeah. What I did here okay. is I grabbed three sound clips from our last show. Oh, no. I want what you I say now. to identify yeah. what we are talking about in these sound clips. Okay, and, and my memory is horrible, so this is going to be a rough game. Now, I wanna, what I want all of our listeners to keep in mind is this is a PG show. Okay. We don't say anything obscene. We don't say anything um, foul. We like to earn our, our non-explicit rating, and we, conti- we will continue to do that. Yeah. So these are completely clean. There's nothing to imply. And so I don't want to hear any feedback about what these sound clips may or may not be. Right. Okay. Simple that enough. That makes sense. Okay. All right, Eric. Sound clip number one. What were we discussing when we said... Is that a picture of a, a woman beating a thief off with her purse? Play that again for me. Is that a picture of a, a woman beating a thief off with her purse? I kind of remember. I vaguely remember this. This was when we were talking with Tim, right? He was on. He, we were all together discussing this, right? Hold on, hold on. I think I got this. Um, is it kind of like it was an icon of like a little larger woman? Was that it? Like in a game? I don't know. You're on the right track. Am but... I? Well, no. I, was it like not Manic Miner? Was it Manic Miner? Oh, uh, you, you're you're getting. I mean, you're in the in the vein. I'll give you a hint. You okay. mentioned you mentioned we have a local pub by the same name. Local pub by the same name. Um, I, I can't. I don't know. What was it? Aww. Yeah. That was Tim's new copy of Streets of London. Real? Oh, Streets of London. Okay, that's But I would right. have accepted, accepted if you just said Tim was showing us a bunch of uh, new Commodore 64 games he had on yeah, cassette. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I remember looking at the icon of something on the screen, but I don't... I wouldn't have guessed that. Okay. All right. All right. Back to the game. So... All right, Eric. Yeah. Number two. I'm zero Number for two. one. You're zero for one. All right. If you can get any one of these, though, you <laughs> get to keep drinking your beer. You win more of your beer. Okay. Item number two. And again, nothing obscene about this at all. We're just talking about normal things. Yeah. Keep your mind out of the gutter. All right. Y- you basically bounce these balls around. What were you talking about, Eric? When you said... Y- you basically bounce these balls around. <laughs> um... <coughs> I'm laughing because we Eric made about, a funny face about something completely we, unrelated. We talk about so many games where we bounce balls around. <laughs> we really do. That's kind of a thing. But I'm going to guess um, we were talking... Yogurt! <laughs> <laughs> we were talking about... I will give you a hint. Yes, it's please. related to the Pico 8. Right. We were talking about Combo Pool. Uh, Eric, yes. my goodness! No, I, yes. I'm impressed. I think if I spent like probably a minute and a half more just <laughs> turning in my brain, I think I would have come up with that because I do remember the conversation. But anyway, good good hint. Last question. Okay. Eric, what were we talking about when Tim said uh, that account that I've got I've had since 1995? I we were talking about his AOL email account oh my goodness eric Woo! Yay! i am amazed i do remember that 
You get two sips of beer for getting two questions right. Thank you. I could use them. It's not going to make my memory better, though. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Well, we are up to the point where we are going to listen to some of our segments. We've got Eric's take. We've got Tea Time with Tim. And then we'll see you guys on the flippy flop. You'll notice there's no Cody's Corner this month. Right on. Uh, I want to make sure that the show is a little shorter. Okay. Also, I think people are tired of hearing me talk the whole show. So. No. no. <laughs> oh, Cody. <laughs> All right. Here we go. I have been rediscovering games I played back in 2013 on the Ouya, and I've been having a blast with it. So this month on Eric's Take, I wanted to cover three of those games. They are the one, the three that I've probably been playing the most. In case you missed it last month, I spoke with Gamiel Rankin, who goes by at Gakagami on Twitter, and we discussed how to get your Ouya back to life. When Ouya collapsed... Uh, they took their servers with them, and people were locked out of their Ouyas. But ingenious hackers figured out a way to redirect Ouyas to a new storefront, which most of the games, if not all of them, are free, and basically brings them back to life so that you can play all of the old games. And it's it, it works well. I did it this month. I encourage you to go back and listen to that episode if you're interested at all. But here, I wanted to focus on the three games that I've been having a blast with. First game I'm going to talk about is called Bomb Squad, and it may be one of the most popular games on Ouya, probably the most well-known as well. Bomb Squad is the ultimate multiplayer couch uh, party game. Basically, you are a little person on the screen that can pick up bombs and throw them at opponents. Now, that might sound like bomb, Bomberman or something like that, but it is not like Bomberman at all. It, it, these are open arenas where you can play against the AI or you can play against real players. And you, yes, you can run around and throw bombs, but you can also punch. And the way you do that is you run around and you can, you're, well, let me explain it this way. Your player can, your player has momentum. So he can run around and the faster he's going, the harder he punches. But the faster he goes, the bigger his turning radius is. So you, it becomes a challenge to actually control and you can fall off ledges and things like that. Scattered around the arena will be random power drops for specific things. Um, it, it, it is mayhem, and it is a blast. And the graphics are some of the best examples of what you can do on the Ouya. Uh, there are many different modes, so you'll never get tired of this game. There's like capture the flag, elimination... I mean, I think there were, I don't remember the exact number, I think there's maybe 10 or 12 different modes. So just plenty to do in this game. Graphics look beautiful. Um, I highly recommend it. 
Next up is another fantastic multiplayer game, which I just want to say Ouya was full of great multiplayer games. Uh, but this one is called Verminion Trap. And Verminion Trap is a game that is kind of like Wizard of War, where there is a map, uh, a, a single screen maze, and you run around with a guy with a gun, and insects come after you, all varying types of insects. And you, the insects can um, follow you around to hunt you down. They can shoot things. They can leave spider webs, which slow you down, things like that in the maze. And your job is to just clear out the insects. All along the way, there'll be power-ups that uh, insects drop, like uh, S for speed up, um, P, which increases your firepower, um, stars, which I think increase your score, if I remember right. Um, but it, it follows kind of the same motif as Wizard of War. You go around the maze, you fire, clear your levels. Um, that might sound pretty pretty simple, but it is a fantastic throwback to those type of retro games. And to me, it is one of the best retro-style games on the Ouya. I can't stop playing this one. I love it. I, I go back to it all the time. I think there is a Windows PC version as well. Um, you really should check it out. Vermin Verminion Trap. last game I'm going to cover is possibly one of the hardest ones to explain, but is also possibly my favorite game on Ouya. I love this game. Uh, when I rediscovered it, I remembered that how many hours I had sunk into this game. It is awesome. And it is called Nimble Quest. Nimble Quest is a snake style game where, you know, with snake, it's very simple. They were on kind of early Nokia phones and things like that. You basically are a snake, and when you eat something, it grows your tail, and you have to not crash into yourself while avoiding sometimes enemies on the screen and things like that. Now, this game isn't like that. It you, It is a... If I could... If, the best way I can describe it is it is a snake-like game and a mashup with that and an RPG. Um Basically, the snake is just a bunch of heroes that follow each other kind of in a conga line. And each hero has their own special ability. They can shoot arrows, they can swing their swords, they can uh, just do different things. Um, and as you kill enemies on the screen, sometimes you, a hero will pop up and you can grab that hero and he'll be added to your line. Each one of your heroes has a health bar. Um, and the heroes just go around the screen in a snake line and you can't, you got to avoid the walls and avoid the enemies. Meanwhile, as you pass enemies, you will fire or swing your swords or whatever your heroes do in your line and defeat those enemies. They will drop things like diamonds and rubies and, and, uh, other heroes and things like that, which you will then go and collect those things and, try to clear the level. Um, when you clear the level, every th a bunch of diamonds and rubies appear on the screen and you can go around and collect those for basically currency, which you spend in the game. So this game, like I said, has um, kind of an intense RPG element where you can buy things in the shop, new heroes to add to your conga line, uh, power-ups like shields, um, 
just a bunch of different things in there. Not to mention, every time a game starts, you can start out with a buff. And the buff is like a, a magnet, which makes those diamonds that appear on the screen attract to you so they're easier to grab. Um, or a buff would be like your health is increased by 10% or 25%. Um, and all through this game, every t- once you die, you 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 still keep going level leveling up wise so you level up you do the game again you get more currency you build up um it is one of the more unique games i've played in a long time because it's this weird mashup of a snake style game and an rpg and i just don't know what it is about it but i love it i go back to it all the time and play it's kind of a very relaxing kind of um amazing game I'm not sure if it ever came out on PC, but it is a kind of an Android-style game, game, which all the games on Ouya are Android-based. So it's possible you can get Nimble Quest on the Android phone. But on the Ouya, it shines because it, the sound is great. Uh, the music that you heard in here is is straight from the um, game. Um, it, just everything about it, I love it. So Nimble Quest has been probably the be- like the, the game I've played the most since I've rediscovered the Ouya. Anyway, that is my Eric's Take segment, so I hope you uh, dive into these games. Maybe go get an Ouya or look for these games on PC or Android and maybe play them. Uh, I, I've just been having an amazing time with the Ouya, and I hope that maybe you take the time to, to learn about that system. Thanks a lot. I will see you next month. Hey, guys. How about we take a little break and check with our friend over the pond? That's right. It's Tea Time with Tim. Hi there, and welcome to this episode's Tea Time with Tim. This one's for all you ZX Spectrum owners out there with a Div MMC Future from The Future Was 8-Bit. This is all about how to update your Div MMC to the latest firmware that's just come out, which is 0.8.8, and also it's quite a good guide if you found yourself in a spot of bother and you've tried to update the firmware on your Div MMC and you've bricked it. Uh, it doesn't it switches on and doesn't boot up properly this will be a good little guide to how to re-upload the firmware using the .tap file using uh, an android phone and the play zx software that you can get from the app store so first off you want to pop over to the esx dos website and download the latest version of the firmware so that website you need is www.esxdos.org. Once you land on that page, look towards the middle of the page and it says get the latest version, which in this case is 0.8.8. If you click and download that, it will give you a little zip file with all the files that we need. So what you need to do is open up the zip file and you need to look for the esxmmc.tap file. This is the file that you need to use to either update the firmware directly on a working DivMMC or if your DivMMC is not working for any reason it's always worth trying to reflash the firmware. So you can use this using your Android phone with the Play ZX software. 
make sure you keep that zip file handy we'll need it later to grab the bin and the sys file folders from the zip file to copy across onto your SD card but we don't want to do that just yet because you're still probably on the older version and we need to boot the DivMMC if you're going to do it directly from the tap file um, if not uh, this probably doesn't matter as long as you've got the uh, DivMMC in and uh, the Spectrum on at the same time we can uh, load up in the next steps okay so the next step is to upload the flash program uh, into the firmware onto the DivMMC now the DivMMC that I'm using um, this one's got uh, 0.8.7 on it um, you may have uh, 0.8.6 um, or 0.8.5 if you're really behind the times um, so the 0.8.8 is the latest version and I think we've just talked about uh, getting uh, where you need to get those files so what I've done is I've got the file on my phone I've downloaded that from the ESX website I've uploaded it into OneDrive I've got OneDrive app on my Android phone I've downloaded the uh, firmware file onto my phone. I've downloaded PlayZX, which is a little application for the Android phone, which plays tap files. So I've got the ESX MMC tap file, and that's ready to go. So I'm just going to issue the load command. So load, quote, quote, on the Spectrum. And then I'm going to press play and that's going to start loading into the spectrum so it's loading the flasher program so once that's done I'm going to pop back because that takes about a minute or so so once that's sorted I'll be right back so we're back now um, the flasher program has just finished loading onto my toast rack um, so the first thing it says is adjust flash fuse jp2 slash e hit key now essentially what that means is at this point it's very very important that you un uh, take out the SD card from the DivMMC future so you can then program the flash directly so I've just uh, pressed in the SD card that's just popped out you don't need to take it out of the way just so it's uh, just out of the actual housing so then I'm just going to press a key and then it flashes the screen um, this will probably take around about um, a minute, minute and a half. So I'll just pause it again and then I'll be back when that's finished. Okay, so that's finished flashing. Um, the message that all you'll see on the screen is 0, OK, comma, 3, full colon, 5 at the bottom left hand of the screen. That means it's flashed OK and you should have a black border. So then at this point all you need to do is switch the spectrum off and uh, push take the SD card out completely because then you need to update those files on the SD card to make sure you've got the latest version of the uh, firmware that goes onto the SD card so it will boot so I'm just going to pause it here and we'll be back later for that bit so I'm back over on my PC now I've downloaded the latest ESX DOS firmware the 088 file I've opened that up and then what we need is we need the sys and the bin folders from that and we copy those 
over onto our SD card. So I've put the SD card into my machine and I can see that over here on the other screen. So I'm just going to copy those files and drop them into the SD card. And it's asked me if I want to replace, so yes please, we'll replace those files. And that's it. So I've replaced the files over onto the SD card from the uh, firmware zip file that we downloaded from the ESX foot site earlier. So now I'm just going to pause this and we'll put that card back into the Spectrum, into the DivMMC, and we'll see if it boots up. We're back over to my toast rack. So let's switch on. I've put the uh, SD card back into the DivMMC future. So here we go. I'm switching on. And yep, there we have 0.8.8, and it's just gone into the um, main basic screen, so which is the shows Sinclair Research because this is the 128 Toast Rack, not the Amstrad one. So I press the NMI button, and yep, there we go. So we've got our menu, and I've got a couple of games on here. So let's load up Jetpack, absolute classic, and there we go. So that's just literally loaded up Jetpack straight away. So there we go. That's how you can um, update the firmware on the DivMMC, even if it is bricked. Um, you can use that method by um, loading the firmware directly in from a phone using the PlayZX uh, program on an Android. So that's how to update the firmware on the DivMMC Future. Uh, whether you've got it uh, working properly or whether it's bricked, you can follow that same process. So that's it for me this month. Have a good one. Bye. Eric and I are back here live in the studio. All that, uh, all that dense information I just took in. I know it was just so impactful and uh, helpful. Yes. You know we're both going to be updating our firmware. <laughs> I, Let's be honest. I, I'm going to do it. So I'm, <laughs> I, I hope that that uh, unbricking is accurate and uh, unbricking instructions. Although getting out my Android point phone to do it seems kind of well. I don't have an Android phone, so that'll be interesting. You'll have to call me. <clears> I have, an, help I have an Amazon Fire tablet. That'll that's Android based. Should work. Yeah. Right. And, I, and I well, I have to I have to download an app on there to basically root it. Yeah. So it is rooted. <clears throat> Anyways. Uh. Eric, we've reached the point in the show where we talk about a number of good games. How many good games would that be? Six, exactly. Thank you. Six good games! On this episode, on this <laughs> special episode of Six Good Games with Pixel Guide In, we talk about top-down racers. Which is uh, our favorite, one of our favorite genres, right? I do enjoy both it. of us. Which we, <clears throat> we we both have our own likes and dislikes about games, and this happens to be one we align on. Well, it's funny. I, I realize that <clears throat> I say it's one of my favorite genres. Um, there's really only a couple of games that I really love. Mm -hmm. I just haven't played very many of them, and I just realized going through them that I, I it's it's an easy way to tickle my funny bone. Yeah. And we should say we decided this isn't just top down. We're also talking about isometric, kind of down. So, well, any, anywhere where you're looking at the roof. Yeah, I think that's a good explanation. Yeah, because I, I didn't want to just do top down. Because top down, there is a specific genre of just straight down. I mean, the gameplay is the same. Yeah, Th that's the point. Now, to be fair, <clears throat> this is a game that I think people either love or hate. I think it's. Right. A, I think it is a polarizing genre. Sure, it's a lot of people. And uh, luckily, I don't fall into this category, 
but I easily could because other things I can't do. A lot of people just can't do uh, when the car is going down the screen, pressing left to turn right and right to turn left. Like knowing where the front of the car is and, and gotcha. in your head basically calculating, mm-hmm. you know, without thinking about it, right. where, where the front of the car is and which way to turn at that point. Yep. A lot of people just can't do that. Yeah. And they're not going to enjoy these games. No. Um, a lot of these games came from the arcade where you had a wheel, mm-hmm. um, which is also just as confusing because it's still right and left. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we're basically talking about games where you're looking at the top of the car, usually a bunch of cars on a track, and you're just going around the track as fast as possible and um, simple. Yep. One of the, of the most basic forms of video games. Right. And they're a blast. Now, before we start, uh, I've talked about Super Off-Road on the show before. Yes. You and I both, I think, have a love for that game. I love it, especially the arcade. Yep. I, I love the, the the mammoth arcade machine that's the four or three wheels. Three wheels, yep. With pedals. With three wheels with pedals. I and guess they pedal have one on the coin bottom. op, which we talked about yep. uh, early this episode. They have one at coin op. I spent probably ten bucks on that while I was there yeah. drinking beer. Love that game. And I and I played a ton of it on NES, which yep. honestly feels very much like the arcade. Yep. And the Super NES one feels very much like the arcade. Yeah. And the Genesis one feels... I mean, they're all very similar versions. They're all very, very good versions. Although the arcade man, I love just wh- whipping that wheel Throwing around. Throwing that wheel around. the wheel has no uh, friction. There's no feedback on no the wheel. No friction and there's no stop. It, it just spins it endlessly. Just, and I would whip it. I'd just be like, whip, like around the U-turns. I love <laughs> I love doing that, man. That Slamming great... on the gas and br- trying to break that pedal, but it was built like a tank. It was. And they had to be. <laughs> Anyways, that game is my baseline. Because <clears throat> that's the game, when I say I love top-down racers, I mean, I love that game. Yeah. Let's just be honest. That's what I... Uh, there's a few other ones I've played, but that's the one I primarily have played. And that's the one I love the most as well. And I thought about putting it on the list, but I thought that was more of the litmus test, like, to what you yeah. compare the, it to. So I didn't I didn't want to put that on there. So Perfect. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to go first. Yes. And the reason is, I basically put it on here. <laughs> you basically did. I basically put Super Off-Road, and which, you, is, which is actually called uh, Ivan... Iron Man Ivan Stewart's Super right. Off-Road, the yep. full name, right? So there was a tie-in to a racer who, I don't, I mean, was off-road racing big back then? I, I, I mean... I don't know. I, I mean, not not trying to be mean, I'm just assuming that back mm-hmm. when they said, hey, let's put a famous driver on here, let's give him like 500 bucks, and he's like, cool. Yeah, I mean, probably, I, I imagine that's, that's right? the case. I mean, <laughs> cool, put his name on there. Like, I don't know how many people went to the arcade and was like, oh man, it's, it's fine, it's whatever. It's, it's Iron Man's... Yeah, like I don't know if any people recognized him or what the deal was, but you know the reason. One thing I like about that you picked this game is you and I have a shared memory. Oh, we do, Eric. So the game in question, yeah, the game we're talking about is Danny Sullivan's Indie Heat. You'll notice the very similar naming pattern convention there. So apparently, Danny Sullivan was a popular indie driver in the early '80s because this is his game. Yeah, uh, made by the same company. Uh, Here, I'm gonna go ahead and pull it up on Google here, and. Eric and I recently played the NES version, which I think is the only version of this game. Um, is it? Yeah, I think. Yeah, um, yeah. There wasn't. Yeah, I think you're right. I, to my knowledge, yeah. um, there we go. There we go. Here's a long play. We'll watch it while we talk. Yeah. Um, so this game is made by. Well, it, it came out in, by Trade West here in. America. Um, trying to pull it up here so I can talk about it. No YouTube TV. I don't want to talk to you. Beep, 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 beep. Um, I have to pause it here so I can see this. Programmed by Rare. 
Oh, Rare's a that's a that's good pedigree. That is good pedigree. That is, and that's a British company. That's interesting. Yeah, I did not realize these games were made by Rare, but I can guarantee you, just by playing this game, that Super Off Road was also made by Rare, probably, and probably also licensed to Trade West, who brought it to the United States, put it on our beloved Nintendo Entertainment System, and gave me the joy of playing this with you. So this game is essentially Super Off Road, which is um, dirt tracks and like uh, Baja trucks. Yeah. But this is indie cars and, um, you know, asphalt. You still have your red, blue, green, and gray uh, drivers. And you go around a track very similar to Super Off-Road. However, there's a few differences. Um, rather than having bumps and stuff in the road, I think you eventually come into uh, small oil spills and things like that. But uh, the coolest part about it is there's pits. So your car will actually run out of fuel, or it'll get damaged while you're racing, and you'll have to stop in your pit box. If you miss your pit box, you have to keep going around the track, and a lot of times you won't make it. Now, your car will never completely die. You'll just go literally about half speed. Yeah. Um, what makes this so much fun is two things. One, it uses the Nintendo 4 score, which allows you to plug four separate controllers into it. Yeah. And four people are all running into each other, running over each other, yelling uh, <laughs> on the couch, physically elbowing each other because you're mad at the person next to you. Uh, you can hop in your pit, and someone behind you can choose, if they want, to come in hot and bash you out of your pit and stop your mid-pit <laughs> stop, which is hilarious and yeah. so much fun. Uh, just like Super Off-Road, you do all these races. And now, keep in mind, these are all on one screen, so you can always see the entire track at once. So that is not an issue, which it can be in some of these top-down games. Um, you can see all the cars at once. There's a few little, like, multiple paths you can go on. Here you go. There's kind of a, a bumpier area up here. Um, and then, of course, in the middle of the track, just like a real uh, American IndyCar race, you have the pole position here with uh, showing each person's car with a color and a number how many laps they've completed. So you can, if you can spare your eyes for a few seconds, you can see that. Uh, it shows a podium finish at the end of each race. Um, you get payment for how what place you came in, and then you get like a few seconds to try to buy upgrades. You can buy turbos, which kind of boost you if you hit the second button uh, through the track. You can buy better tires to help you make corners better. You can buy a better engine so you go faster. Uh, you can buy upgrades to your pit crew so they, they change your tires quicker. Um... I thought you were going to say something there, Eric. No. <laughs> um, <laughs> it is funny because when your guy pulls into the pit, I just noticed he has no helmet on. He has like Elvis hair and he has sunglasses. Yeah. Not sure uh, who that. I guess that's. I guess that's uh, Danny Sullivan's thing. Um, I had a blast with this game, but the best part about it is that it's four player on the Nintendo with a four tap, and it, it was worth buying that four tap just for this. Sure. And. Uh multiplayer was a blast because we so our shared memory of this we played it at your was it birthday party mm-hmm. yeah yep and we had four players and it was a blast and and we spent time trying to bash each other out of the pits which yes. is the most fun part of it let's be honest yep no i i love this game and i i i don't have the four score so i don't play it multiplayer at home but i've played it a couple of times single player and, and it's still pretty good single player to be honest with you I mean, it's... I'm going to go ahead and give you guys a quick Cody's Hot Take. 
buy a Nintendo Four Score for like <laughs> ten bucks. Yeah, maybe fifteen shipped. And uh, there's a number of uh, you know I think twenty thirty games on Nintendo that use it. Yeah, talk about the a very inexpensive way to have a heck of a lot of fun. Right. Uh, with these, I mean, the games are hilarious and so much fun. Just bring a Nintendo with a four score, get an EverDrive so you can put every game on there, and just tear through the. I mean, it's so much fun. This would be amazing if they redid this on the uh, on the Amico. Oh, I like that idea. Yeah. Good idea, Eric. What is your choice? So I know I've talked about this one a few times because it always comes up when we talk about favorite Amiga games. But one of my favorite games on the Amiga, top-down racers on the Amiga, as well as one of my favorite top-down racers of all, is Supercars. Supercars! <clears throat> so Supercars is a true top-down. There's, it's not isometric at all. Um, where you race around the track, and you have to come in first, second, or third, or you're eliminated and you're out of the game, game over. Well, what you do is you race, and if you come in that, you get um, money, and you take that money to to the screen where you pick what track you're going to race next. And in that track, you have to you can buy upgrades for your cars, which is like uh, better steering, uh, missiles, armor. Now, this game doesn't stress the the weapons. In fact, I don't really buy weapons all that often. This game it's mainly just racing. There are weapons though. There's just missiles. And I think maybe oil slick. I believe you're correct. Yeah. Um, but honestly, I very rarely buy that stuff because I'm just in it for the racing. Um, and you also have to repair your car. So as you're racing, it damages your car. And there's these little um, graphs on the bottom that show how damaged it is. And if you don't repair your car it will suffer when you're racing and the goal you have to come in first second or third or you're eliminated so if you make a mistake and you fall too far behind you are the game is over so then you can do that now when you start getting a lot of money you can take that money and go buy there's three cars in the game and you can buy different cars and then one of the cool things is you can go to the car salesman and you can talk him down like there's these yeah phrases. there's there's these cool like cutscenes on which they're yeah. interactive they're not purely cutscenes where you're talking to people or there's yep. news anchors talking about you yep the and there races. are different phrases you can say to the salesman to get like maybe lower the price on the car um, but so the two key things are when you go to the garage you you have you should repair your car every turn and then you can buy upgrades like power steering uh, better braking uh, turbo boost nitrous. Uh, stuff like that. It's the worst when you just made a bunch of money and then you realized your car is destroyed yeah, and you well, have to spend most of it fixing it. Yeah, so one of the on um, one of the games I was playing, I accidentally, because I was distracted, I think my daughter came in and talked to me or something, I forgot to do anything. I didn't upgrade and I didn't fix my car and I just went right into the next race and I, I, I came in last, so I got eliminated. So that was you a bummer. So I've been playing that for about an hour. So How dare you be a good dad? Ahead. You ignore her. Yeah, exactly. You tell her to pound sand, and you keep playing, <laughs> Eric. Get out! I'm playing! <laughs> Play video games! Um, but I love the graphics on this game. The music is excellent. Um, the sound effects are great. Uh, it really is... And there was Supercars 2 came out. And I gotta say, I have to revisit that, but I don't remember liking it as much as just the original OG Supercars. So I'm gonna, t- I'm gonna stop in here. So... yeah. Every time you've talked about this one a lot, mm-hmm. and whenever you hear like top Amiga games, mm-hmm. top five, at least top ten, but usually top five, Supercars is in there. Yeah. Now, I 
have played this a number of times. Mm-hmm. You know, just a few minutes here, then a year later, a few minutes, then a year later, a few, and I never enjoyed it. Really? So I went ahead because I knew you were going to pick this game, mm-hmm. and I played it on my Amiga. But I played Supercars too. Okay. Um. And at first, I had the kind of the same reaction where I was just kind of getting annoyed. Okay. And then eventually, it starts to click, and you start to get used to the feel. You really got to put a little, not a lot, but you got to put a twenty minutes, thirty minutes into it before you're going to start winning races. Um, it wasn't immediate for me. Now I am talking about Supercars Two because that's what I loaded up. Okay. I'm looking at the video right now. Supercars One. It seems a little more slow paced. Okay. I'm seeing less rockets. Supercars Two what was dragging me down i think is you could be racing well and someone would shoot a missile behind them you can shoot behind you apparently yeah i haven't figured out how to do it but you could buy front and rear missiles yeah and you'll be doing great and you'll come up behind someone who just shoots a real rear missile at you you can't avoid it right and then you just crash and then all of a sudden you went from second to sixth yeah and And that might have been i don't remember why i didn't like supercars 2 as much but supercars 1 yeah the weapons are there but I I never I very rarely they're see very them. secondary from yeah. what I can tell I'm, I'm I'm looking at video right now and I'm not seeing you're any, not seeing anybody use anybody them. use them enemies or or the main character here yeah and again this looks a little slower a little more uh, well paced yeah with supercars um it it does have a cl- more close up view mm-hmm. because this is a top down racer where the view is zoomed in and it follow the camera follows you around the track. That's right. So a turn can come up and you have less than a second to realize where it's going to go. And so you can, I, I, I keep finding myself in a lot of these games turning the wrong way. Cause I'm assuming it's going to go one way. It goes a completely different way. And I just run into a wall and that's like, might as well just restart. Yeah. Um, but I think this supercars one looks like it's doing a better job of that. So yeah. I, I love the buying, the the earning money. The, I love the RPG elements. Yeah, so the RPG elements to me make this game. I mean, if it was just the racing and even just the combat, I probably wouldn't like it. But the ability to upgrade, the ability to save your money so you could get like a missile or something. I mean, I have used the missiles later in the game, but they're. I prefer the racing part of it. So I I I, I don't know. I, I, for a long time, this has been in my probably top five of Amiga games. I'm going to go back and play this original one. I, I really am. Now, Supercars 2, there's mm-hmm. also, like, there's an oil slick in the yeah. dirt thing. Uh, so those hazards are there. The hazards the missiles, are there. The missiles are a pain in Supercars 2. But there's also uh, jumps. Are there jumps in the first one? I don't think there are. I okay, don't in Supercars 2, any. and I actually kind of like the jumps, but yeah, there'll be parts where if you don't have enough speed, you won't make the jump. Yeah. What I like about it is that if you miss a jump or if you jump off to the side and you'll blow up and then it will kind of move you forward a little bit so that you don't have to fail on the jump over and over and over again. Okay. It'll, just, it'll get you past it. Yeah. And so it's not, you get a slap on the wrist and you'll lose a spot or two, but you don't lose a ton. But this one looks more straightforward, no jumps. I'm going to give the Supercars 1 a chance before I say too much more on this one. But this does look, this is kind of the golden standard for one of these. Yeah top-down, close-up style racing games. I'd say this, from what I've heard, is the golden standard, whereas Super Off-Road is like the golden standard for the one-screen racers. Right. Yep. So that is that. And I love the, I mean, it's bright, poppy, colorful graphics. It just makes you happy looking at it. Yeah, I mean, uh, of my three, the three games we're about to talk about on my list, this is my favorite. Spoiler alert! That's right. Boom! Drop the bomb, Eric. 
I guess I'm on to my number game, my number two game here. Yes. My number two game for top-down racers is Rush Rally Racing on the Dreamcast. Yeah. Our timing on this is perfect, by the way. So you've played a little Rush Rally, haven't you? I did, yeah. You, you're the one who told me about it, so I went and downloaded it and gave it a shot. So Rush Rally Racing is a game <laughs> for the Sega Dreamcast that was commercially released by Red Spot Games, who is a... I believe... I better look this up. Are they Russian? (laughs) (laughs) Rush Rally Racing by Russians. All right. So we did a quick bit of research. Magic (laughs) of podcasting. It is a Dutch game, Eric. Dutch, okay. Made by by the Dutch. Um, And it was released in 2009. So this is way after the death of the Dreamcast. This is... um, I don't know if you guys have noticed, but one or two games a year have kind of come out for the Dreamcast since the Dreamcast died. People love the system, love making games for it, and they continue to make games for it. Rush Rally Racing uh, is essentially a spiritual successor to Supercars. Oh, it's how I it's how I describe it I, now. Oh, okay, yeah. Now it's, it's how I describe it. I mean, yeah. it looks and feels and plays like it. Yeah. Without the weapons. Yes. Um. So mm-hmm. I'll go ahead and pop it on here. So. It, you got these really kind of cool, very Dreamcast-looking um, menu screens. Yeah. Uh, the There are some kind of in-between graphics, um, not only for the loading screens, but kind of little story elements and stuff. And they're done in this very kind of bulbousy, par- cartoony-looking... It looks great. It's a great aesthetic. Here you go. Here's one of the cutscenes right here as the cars get ready to launch, right? Um, and it's done in a similar way to supercars, where you start in race one... This is if you do a single-player campaign, by the way. Mm -hmm. And if you don't come in the top so many spots, then you can use a continue, but you only get three continues. Uh, And your goal is to keep coming and, you know, basically place on the podium for all the races to make it through the entire season. Uh, But you can see here the... It's a lot faster. It is a lot faster, yeah. It is a lot faster than the supercars we just saw, but not a lot faster than supercars 2, by the way, which is a faster game. Um... The cars are similar size, the viewpoint's similar. However, because it's a lot faster, you get less time to react to the track. That's what I was going to say. When I played this, from what I remember, like it, you could get so fast where you you really have to kind of memorize the tracks. So when I first played this, I played like two races. I'm like, this is so fast, it's stupid. <laughs> right. But then, magically, within like two or three more plays, yeah. I had memorized the track, and I got first. And I went to the second track. So it definitely has that kind of thing where if you put a little time into each track, mm-hmm. you're going to memorize it and you will become better at it. Yeah. Uh, some of the uh, background graphs, graph, like the backgrounds, I wouldn't call them photorealistic, but they're semi-realistic. Um, this one happens to be of a desert. And uh, you can run over pedestrians oh, and cows and things, which slow you down a little bit. Yeah, That's, I didn't know pedestrians. I, I, I remember the cows. Yeah, I think you hit right here at the end, you can see the, the pedestrians that were run over. Um, the tracks are actually really cool. There's some pedestrians. Boom. Oh, yeah. Hit one oh, right there. Yeah. Oh, jeez. <laughs> um, the tracks are really cool. Um, you go under a lot of overpasses. Um, the, now, it does give you an arrow above while you're playing the game, kind of showing you what's coming up so mm-hmm. that you have some insight. Uh, but you really do need to memorize it. Um, I, it's just a great-looking game. Now, it has one thing that I really appreciate about it, which a lot of these old racers do not, and that is that if you make a mistake, because you're going to and fall off the track a lot, 
you don't end up crashing or coming to a complete halt. Uh, it's basically kind of has this element that you don't think about, but it has it where regardless of what track you're on, the center of the track is the fastest. And if you go outside of that track, you're basically on slower ground. Okay. So the goal is really to stay as close to the center of the track as possible, because on this race, if you go off the asphalt, you're on the grass and you'll go a little slower. On the last one we saw, it was a dirt path. Yeah. And the worn dirt in the center was a lot faster than the loose dirt on the outside. So you're never, if you go off the path, you're not down and out. You're, you're slower and you want to avoid that, but you still have a chance. It's not yeah. like it doesn't ruin the game for you like a lot of these top right down racers do. There's a lot of uh, really tight hairpin turns in which you're going to handbrake and, you know, skid around the corner. Um, it's, I don't know. It's just fast. It's fun. And then there's a bunch of modes, which I have not done, which Eric and I are going to have to do. <laughs> yeah. Because the Dreamcast has four ports on the front. It certainly does. So you can play four controllers, and there's three other modes that are specific to Couch Co-op, which this game is really designed for. Yeah. So you got the campaign. You've got these, um, you know, player versus player. You've got... Um, I, I don't remember all the modes right now, but basically a bunch of modes you can you can play with each other. I all I can say is check it out. It's it's a whole lot of fun, and uh, you can still buy it brand new in a sealed new that supports Red Spot Games. Uh, support the Dutch. Support the Dutch. Support the Dutch. That's what I always say. That's what er- I, Eric always says. That I always say that. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Eric. What you got next? <clears throat> all right. So you're going to want to pull up a picture of this game. Uh, I definitely am. My next pick is Retro Racing. Retro Racing. And this is on the Ouya. And, <laughs> oh, I like what you did there. And I, it, it, perhaps it is available on a, on a different platform, but um, I wanted to pick an Ouya because I've been really into that. Um, I this game is a typical top down where there are multiple races. You pick the car you want, um, and then the, the it is a top down. It's <clears throat> really kind of cartoony, but one of the very cool things about this game that I really like is there are these power ups littered all over oh, the yeah. race, and they all do different things. Like the uh, S is speed up, uh, the A is uh, accelerate, ex- improves your acceleration. Uh, T, I think, is the timer, or what, is, is that right? Anyway, you can't win this race unless you grab those those power-ups. Yeah. So you do, like, see how those power-ups are out of the way. Sometimes they'll be a little offshoot on the track. Yeah, there's there's multiple paths in, in multiple parts of the track. And every time you go over these power-ups, they tell you what it is. Like, if you hit that, like, you'll see a, a, one of these guys will hit one of these power-ups, and it's going to say speed up, plus one, speed, or, or plus four, or whatever. And you have to accumulate these. So instead of like a shop, like sometimes you'll see in these games, where you buy power-ups and this and that, this one is strictly like you will have to go out of your way a little bit to grab these power-ups. Without them, you will not win. And it looks a little slippy and slidey. It's not as direct as right. some th- of the other top-downs. And I think one of these the power-ups is control. Um. It's it's definitely a lot slower than mm-hmm. the last couple games we looked at. Yeah, but in a good way because I could see how you're constantly banging and bumping in with people and laughing yeah. about it, and, and and you try to go for a power up and you might miss it, and you know so that that throws you off of the race a little bit. But if you don't get those, you will not win. I mean, that's what I found out about this game after playing it for a little while is that you it, it is crucial. You have to get the power ups. So. 
This would be a, a blast multiplayer. Yeah, and and Ouya supports, um, I think, four controllers on this game. So four players. So when I get my Ouya, we'll take your... Don't you have two? I have two controllers, yeah. And then I'll take my two. Yep. And we'll have some four-player Ouya fun. Yeah. The Ouya really was like the Amico. Well, the more you learn about it, I think, the more you'll come to that conclusion. It was an early attempt... Because every game had, early on in the Ouya's history, every game had a demo. Yeah, that, that, was, part, that was a that requirement. Was cool. And then later on, they kind of relaxed that a little bit because a lot of the developers didn't like that. Um, but a lot of them stressed local multiplayer. Oh, I love it. Now, there are several games that support online multiplaying too. Um, I just don't know because you asked me that offline earlier, and I I don't know if like if if they still have a server up and running that <laughs> you can do it, but who knows if they do or not. But anyway, that that's retro racing on the Ouya. I think it's a great game, lots of fun. Have you played it multiplayer? I am uh, not this one. Nope. Yeah, this would be great multiplayer. I think yeah. that's what's going to happen before we can yeah really give a good uh, review of it. Perfect. 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 Oh, I don't have my button oh, anymore. I don't have that anymore. Instead, we'll just do yogurt. <laughs> That'll work. Um, so the last title I wanted to mention for six good games, kind of like Eric brought in the Ouya just now. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to make sure we have some modern retro sure. in, in here. Yeah, retro inspired. Retro inspired. Yeah. Okay. So on Steam. I found a nice, tasty little nugget that I ended up pouring about four hours into okay. at this point. And it is called Little Racers Street. Now, I don't know why it's called that. It's kind of a weird name, but you think it'd be called like Little Street Racers? or Maybe there was somebody else with that name or something? Yeah, I don't know. It's made by Milkstone Studios. And I bought it. Uh, it was currently on sale for like $1.19, but I think it's normally 5 bucks. You can't beat that price. If you like top-down racers, this is legit. Okay. Uh, so you're kind of top. These are top-down racers, and it's these, these are definitely isometric. Uh, the camera kind of moves around. Oh, so it's not okay. um, it's not a stagnant camera, and it's not purely a following camera. It follows you, and it kind of changes angles as you go. Um, but you start. You're basically doing like these street races. Okay. All right. So you're racing other street racers, and these races could be as small as four cars, or as much as I think twelve or sixteen cars. And you start with a certain amount of money, you go to the shop, you buy your card, you can upgrade it, but you don't want to upgrade too much, because you start with a Class E car, and eventually you can work your way up and buy a Class D car, and work your way up to a C, B, A, right? Yeah. And now, because it's Steam, and because they they do all the things that I love as a consumer whore, uh... I love all the little achievements you can unlock if you win so many races under each class, if you do so many of these different things, if you podium so many times, if you buy enough cars and total your money to a certain amount, whatever. Love that stuff. Uh, But you'll see here, the game starts, uh, you get one car to start, and you start in a Class E event, and um, your cars have different levels, depending on which car you have, of... uh, Actually, I'm going to step back so I can read it here, so I don't screw this up. Oops. Um, power, turning, grip, and then nitro. So it, it's very much like off-road. Yeah. Or a lot of these other games we've talked about. Right. So you'll see in the street here, uh, a lot of these roads, kind of like supercars, kind of make kind of like these hard angles. They're kind of built on these hard angles. There's some like turnabouts like this one right here. Um, but you are just banging and bumping into cars trying to get through things. It's not like if you touch somebody or you can't get by them or you just kind of sit there. You bang and push them out of the way. There's more physics involved. 
and you're sliding around these corners. Um, the different street levels could be, you know, daytime, they could be dusk, they could be nighttime, they could be snowy, they could be rain, and the streets all kind of change their grip accordingly. I like the graphics um, on this. They're very slick. It's almost like a modern isometric where the camera follows you. Yeah. No, I mean, it looks really good. And well, like I said, for a dollar twenty or whatever I got it for. Um, Have you played it a lot? I Again, I put four hours into it so far. Wow. that's. I mean, that's a lot for this style of game. That's, oh, yeah. It's pretty good. Well, I love... I like that the arrows show you which directions to go because it looks like a almost like a city map where almost like in a burnout i know that's a 3d game but in burnout like they have to close off certain side streets so you don't go down them because it's based on a city um kind of similar in this one so that's very slick now what i'd love to show you if i can find a good video is that was we just watched a class e-race okay now when you go up to some of the next um classes Mm -hmm. the cars go much faster um you can see in this one here, it's kind of the outskirts of town. You're going across, um, that's the same car. You're going down uh, train tracks, yeah. up hills. Now, when you go uphill, of course, your car can't go as fast uphill. Right. So, I like to use nitro uphill to make sure that I get a jump up on everybody. Um, I guess you'd have to kind of see it to understand it, but I just love the progression in this. Uh, winning races to save money, to buy cars in a higher class, to raise the challenge and uh, all the achievements, there's like 63 different achievements you can unlock. Um, games in this style, I love the gameplay, but what's going to keep me coming back is all the unlockables, all the achievements, all the things you can I love the graphics. Get. I mean, that's... I, and I imagine because this is a YouTube video, it's it's not... It's it's better in the game. Correct. Right? Yeah. Correct. Absolutely. Yeah. Because, I mean, this is a little, like, grainy, but um, I bet, like, it's sharp on... Uh, in the real game, it looks yep. slick. I think I might go grab that, especially if it's still a buck twenty. I mean, even at five bucks, I mean, I man, I wish there was a Switch version on that. Hmm. Hmm. Mm. I'm gonna take some notes here. Well, I've got something we'll mention at the end of the show here, but okay, it's, it's not about that game. Okay, Eric, you got one last goodie for us on the uh, six good games top-down racers. So my last one, I wanted to pick a game I hadn't played before at all. So I went digging, and, and uh, as you know, I recently, within the last few months, gra- grabbed a BBC Micro. So I was like, there's got to be a top-down racer on the BBC Micro. And there were a few, but I found one called Stock Car. And um, it is a very basic top-down racer, but one of the very cool elements about it is that it has a way where you can customize the uh the races so right here it asks you for joystick gives you certain parameters here but i love how you can play up to like three players but they all have to smash their fingers on different parts of the keyboard that's right (laughs) so right here you you pick one or two players how many laps you want to go the skidding zero to 99 percent. so you can adjust this and then the circuit how many circuits you play and then you can turn oil slicks on or off. And okay. You can turn sound effects off and off. Now, for a game of this era, that's kind of a lot of options. And what I really like is that you those oil slicks are no joke. You can't you can't avoid that first one. No, Look at those, that thing. Those are large, large <laughs> oil slicks. Um, I chose not to do the oil slicks because I wanted to learn how to play without sliding all over the place. Um, but 
I, I had a blast with this game. I played it for about two hours. Um, wow. I, okay. It, it took it took a while to get good at it. Just like you were talking about with that other game with mm-hmm. supercars. This one took me a while. Oh, another really cool feature of this game. You you hit up and down on the joystick to shift gears. Oh, okay. So see how it says gear four up there? That, you got to control your own gears, yeah. That red thing is your RPMs. So as you hit walls, you'll see that go down, and then when you max RPMs out, you have to shift up or down. I was going to say, because the speed and the track itself doesn't look terribly difficult. Right. Except for the fact that oil spills are huge, and they keep moving. Yeah. <laughs> but throw in the fact that you have to worry about your gears, and yeah, now you've got a real challenge here. So I usually on games like this, when it gives you an option, I don't do gears. I actually do automatic, just so I can focus on the racing. Yeah. In this one, you don't have that choice, but I didn't. F- I found it an interesting element in this game. But I turned oil slicks off. But I thought it was pretty cool for a eight bit, you know, sixty five hundred two BBC Micro. That's a pretty cool. I mean, it, it's fun. got pretty cool graphics. I and, love the color palette too. Like yeah, the garish, you know, neon day glow colors. So my, my favorite part of this was customizing each and every game. Like, I, I would do, like, three laps, and I would do skidding 50% or skidding 10%. I was going to say, I'm sure you did skidding 99. I, I didn't do skidding no? 99. <laughs> uh, that'd be the first thing I'd do. I'm like, the best idea to get a good feel for skidding would be to max it out. Let's right. see what that is. And then I'd hate it and laugh about it, but... Cool. Very cool. Eric, that is six good games. Awesome. Uh, one more thing I wanted to mention here before we move on is, and I'm going to pull up video of this. So when I was looking at this, I was trying to find a new game, and I eventually found Little Racers Street, right? Yeah. Which I don't regret. Awesome. Okay. Awesome yeah, yeah. game. Mm-hmm. Um, what I didn't get to play, I'm trying to find my notes here. Oh, here it is. It's way down here. A game called Circuit Superstars. Now, I looked up Circuit Superstars here. Let me see if I can find it. Circuit Superstars is a top-down racer that is now planning to be released in 2021. 2021, okay. Yep. It is planning to be released for PlayStation 4, okay. Microsoft Windows, Xbox One, and Nintendo Switch. Oh, sweet. Ooh. All right. Yeah. Now this game, let me see if I can show you, um, hopefully this video is a good one. This looks legit. All right, look at this right here. And it looks like, first of oh, all, it looks like wow. a Switch game. Yeah. So the graphics are amazing. There's the racers. All the cars look very different. And it's straight up like a racing series complete with pitting. Um, oh, it's almost like cell-shaded graphics, right? Yep. Very cool. It's like a mixture of almost everything we talked about today. Done really well. With the enhanced camera angles, everything. yeah, complete like different types of racing. Like this is like classic cars, uh, indie cars, uh, GT cars. Coming twenty twenty looks amazing. That's a lie. It said twenty twenty. I think it got pushed back. Uh, Circuit Superstars. Keep your eyes out. I'm going to be looking for that. That's on my radar. That looks so good. So that is all I have to say about that. Circuit Superstar. So it does definitely say on there 2021. Is that what you know, according to Steam right now, it still says 2020. Okay. I guess we'll see. I guess we'll see. It's still um, a lot of year. It's still a lot of the year left. I hope it comes out. That would be awesome. I, I, man, I, I would love to grab that on Switch. Yeah, the that's cool where I would buy it too. We could do multiplayer. Maybe it'll have online multiplaying. That'd be a blast. Yeah, absolutely. 
Eric, that's a show. That is a show. Thank you for listening to episode 38 of the world's highest rated retro video game show that includes beer and two guys in California. Can I tell you about the shirt I'm wearing? Oh, that's true. You are wearing a nice little shirt there, Eric. What is that? 10-minute Amiga Retrocast. I have have heard of that. Doug. And uh, he's got something he wants to tell you. He does. Well, first of all, I want to point out the shirt is his, his new logo. Yeah. And it looks like it's on top of an Amiga A1000, yep. which is with considered bo- by many people to be the sexiest of the Amigas. With the boing ball. With the boing ball. Yep. And if you guys have not checked out his YouTube channel and you know nothing or everything about the Amiga, still hop on there. You're going to learn something. Really good stuff. Yep. So he is running with, a, is it with Pixel Vixen? It is, right? Yes, it is. So he is running an Amiga art contest. And I know this isn't gaming related, but there there's a lot of pretty cool stuff with this. It is Amiga 2020 art contest. All artwork, music must be created on an Amiga in one way or another. Uh, the deadline for entry is October 11th, 2020. Uh, it must be original hand-drawn artwork, creative photo editing, 3D rendering, ray tracing, or original mod Amiga music. Now there's a kicker involved, is there not, Eric? For, like, you mean the winning? I do. Yeah, so what he told me is there's going to be, so far, there's two things you can win. One is an Unamiga, as we, we discussed We just talked about it. That would be an amazing episode. prize. Yep. 1.5, uh, Unamiga 1.5 is a prize. And then RetroReady.1, which is a pretty decent website. I don't know if you've ever been to it, that you can buy Amiga stuff. Okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, he's, is going to, all he said is he is going to donate prizes as well to be determined. Um, so I think that if you are into that and you have an Amiga and you are artistic in any way, shape or form, you should make one of those artistic items and submit it to Doug I and Pixel Vixen. I wish I knew how to make art on an Amiga. <laughs> right. I want to win an Unamiga. Well, I've thought about tinkering with uh, mod trackers. So I was like, maybe I should do as my first one, create a piece of music and submit it. Because I, lo- I, uh, I guess that uh, everything I saw last year, so th- he did one of these last year with Pixel Vixen. They they judged it and went through every. It's like a two hour episode. Okay, they went through every. Did you watch it? I did. I I watched some of it. Yeah, they yeah. went through every piece of art. Okay, and I believe they are all visual at that point. Okay, so I guess I didn't realize that potentially you can do. They did just say art though. They said art, and they said a mod. If you oh, submit that's a cool. mod music, and so I thought, you know what? Oh, that's even cooler. I can do music. I've never done an Amiga mod though, so I'd have to okay. learn the trackers. That's cool. Um, maybe I don't know. Maybe maybe I'll look into it. Cool. So check that out, everybody. Cool. Uh, next episode of Pixel Guide Den will be coming out on the thirtieth, as we like to do. Um, also, before that episode, I want to make sure you guys know we have a special episode coming out, oh, don't we, Eric? A very special episode. We're going to hop our boy Tim Drew on here. Yeah. And we are going to go through every single game on the Commodore sixty four. Reset 64. Reset 64, which is a, a great... Well, it's a website as well. It's a website and a magazine. And yep. I was lucky. It's usually a digital magazine, but I was lucky enough to get their one... Uh, they had one physical copy, and I got a new Ooh, nice. issue of that. So um, so they put on this competition every... couple. Well, I think the last one was 2018, and a whole bunch of Commodore 64 coders get together, um, create games that are smaller than 4k which is yeah. i'm sure was very, one for 2019 there's no 2018 was the last one oh, okay um and they put together games that are 4k or smaller which are very small games uh but 
it's amazing what people can do mm. when they know what they're doing with 4K. It's amazing. Um, and there's a real competition with real judges, yep. and there's going to be real uh, winners. But we're going to go ahead, and in a few days here, you're going to get a special episode of Pixel Guide Den, or Eric and Tim and I have played every game. We have. And we're going to tell you all about all of them. Do little tiny mini reviews of mini each reviews one and t- tell you our, them. Our, our picks for the and winners. We'll rank them ourselves. I think we selected out of 100. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get to the details, okay. the nitty gritty. So, uh, three episodes of Pixel Guide End this month, you lucky dogs. Um, <laughs> cool. And then our next episode of Pixel Guide End on the 30th, we'll have uh, our catching up segment with Tim as usual. Yeah. And we'll be com- covering a couple of Battle of the System games, which this month. Were Galaga? I don't want to say they're clones because some of them are direct sequels. Some of them are sequels. Some of them are unique, like takes on Galaga. Um, it's all over the board. So we, it's played, hard to say. we played five different Galaga games. Yes, that aren't Galaga. Right. And we are going to battle them and see who reigns supreme. Uh, played on the Turbo Graphics. We played on the Amiga. We played on the Commodore sixty four arcade. So awesome episode. A, arcade version. Arcade. Yep. For Ga Plus. Ooh, oh, well, there's one of the games right that's there. That's right, yep. Cool, guys. Well, uh, that's the end of episode 38. Yes. We're going to get on to another beer and, and recording episode 39 now. Yep. But in the meantime, Eric, it's, it's dangerous, dangerous to, to go, go alone. alone. Thank you again for listening. You can find episode information and show notes online at pixelguiden.com. Please follow us on Twitter at pixel underscore guiden. And you can also follow Eric at the project. That's D U H project. You can also follow Cody on Twitter at oddball 49. That's O D D B A 1149. Please leave a review to help get our podcast listed higher up on the show rankings. We would also love to hear from you with any comments or input. So hit us up on our email at podcast at pixelguiden.com.